What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 45 of the Hello Bass Bass Fishing Podcast. This week, awesome guest, Jeff Gussie Gustafson from Canada. We have a great chat. Goes for almost two hours. We cover a ton of great stuff, mostly small related, but a lot of good nuggets about traveling with Seth and the Johnsons, his setup for his Lund boat. We get deep dive into chatterbaits and hair jigs for Smalley. So if you have questions or things you want to know about those little tiny black marabou hair jigs for smallmouth, listen in, follow along, enjoy the episode. As always, here to help you guys catch more bass and suck less. Quick fantasy fishing update. For those that are interested in fantasy fishing, I've created a private Bassmaster fantasy fishing group called Beat Hella Bass. Just go to the Bassmaster website, go to Fantasy Fishing, look through the group index, or search Hella Bass. It's a private group. Just click join, and then all lowercase, jigs, four pigs, I guess. Jigs, the number four, pigs. All one word, lowercase. That's how you get into the group. This is going to be only for members of the YouTube channel, my Instagram, podcast. So if much better chance to win, and the prizes are going to stay in our community. Hope that helps you out. Hope you're excited for some fancy fishing this year, and stay tuned for more fancy fishing information. All right, just like that, we're live with uh, with uh, Gussie Jeff Gustafson. What's going on? Oh, uh, not too much. Just up here in the Great White North, um, getting uh, getting geared up to go fishing in a couple weeks. So I'm pretty, get, starting to get pretty pumped up. I've been ice fishing a fair amount. Um, this is a brand new shop that I'm in right now uh, that we spent the last four or five months building and uh, I'm pretty happy about it, but I'm, I just sort of got my fishing gear moved in here in the last few days. So you can, so I've got some stuff getting up on the pegs and um, organizing, <laughs> but it's, it's, I'll kind of just show you, I'm rolling my computer here, but sure. it's kind of a mess. Um, but yeah, got, I had a buddy come out that's pretty handy and built me all these cool bench, this cool bench and shelves and, um got some more stuff coming but it looks organized but it's really not i've just pretty much got the tackle boxes in there and i've got stuff kind of labeled you know you can see um, it uh i really got back from texas at the last derby and uh didn't have this ready to go yet so everything's just kind of the way i left it at the end of the season so i got a busy week and a half ahead of me here getting um getting organized and then got a new new boat to rig up uh with some gear as well so awesome yeah so everybody says everything sounds good looks good and <clears throat> i knew this was going to be risky we're dealing with the, the, the manitoba internet it's always uh, it's a dice roll so this is good that it's looking good so well i'm going i got a u.s phone too i i get it from uh with with through uh seth fighter got a uh like a business plan or whatever and he needed nice. he had to have like five lines so he hooked me up with one and it's got unlimited um data yeah. so i can use that here in a couple of weeks when i get down so my canada one that's what we're rolling on right now and uh hopefully we don't run out of run out of data it's got some kind of limit on it but i never right. used to run it out but not too worried about it yeah don says definitely seeing some plano edge there in the background <clears throat> yeah um New boxes, obviously premium. Um, you know, I, I've had some messages like, "Oh, you, you know, you wanted me to spend thirty or forty bucks on a tackle box." Um, but 
for like your high-end baits, I mean, they're they're the best. They're heavy duty, so they're not gonna, you know, you could drop one, you're not gonna, you know, break it very easily. Um, and they keep the water out and then they've got the rust um protection inside as well. So they're they're pretty sweet boxes. Um, you know, I've been a big fan of just the the regular um you know waterproof trays like this forever for sure fairly durable too and and keep everything you know number one thing for me is keep the water out right so um but yeah now these new edge boxes i've got i've got some more um you know that i'm gonna sort of load up and get into the arsenal a bit this year um so did you did you use much of the uh the plane or the the edges last year or is this new yeah, year? i had i had them last year and I probably, uh, I don't know, probably like a third of my tackle was in them. And mm-hmm. part of that was just at the start of the year when my boat goes south and it's organized and, you know, I'm not necessarily changing boxes throughout the throughout the season. But um, at the time for that's kind of right. Now. So you're going to give them a little bit harder test drive yeah. this season. Yeah, no, I've been happy with them. Um you know, the most popular one is the one that I get the most questions about is the, you know, the jig and bladed jig box. Sure. It, uh, it, it, I mean, it works pretty good. You can kind of, you can see they sort of, I got to fill this back up again. This is where I keep all my jackhammers in here. Obviously the premium, um, chatter baits. So for sure. That's that's just it, it, it's it's legit. It does a good job, and um, you know, like I say, they're just they're heavy duty. So you're not, you know, I think you're going to be able to get a few years out of them, and you're not not they're not going to fall apart on you. Yeah, no, for sure. <clears throat> Ronnie Moore says he honestly just wanted some chatterbaits. Uh, so what's up, Ronnie? Hey, all he has to do is ask. I mean. He, <laughs> Every time he asks me for something, I I'll, I deliver. So I mean, if you need some chatterbaits, he knows where to where to go. Yeah, I actually heard a recent interview, and, and Gussie was saying he's he's honestly too nice. He has trouble saying no, and he usually runs out of hair jigs because of that. So what happens normally is like at eleven o'clock the night before the tournament or after day one, um, when I know I'm going to be using them, then I realize I only have two good ones left, and I'm sitting here tying them and. You know, up here where I live, they they're they're a great bait. They've you know been a popular thing here for like twenty five years probably. Uh, so we have a lot of pike. So if you go into you know like I could go to the St. Lawrence River for the day with two and be fine. You right. Know, we have so many pike up here. I mean, you might make one, might make it through the whole day, but you could also go through like ten in a day. And when they bite it, like you wouldn't think a pike would be that, but they see those things and they can't help themselves either. And they just, you know, you'll feel the bite, and and then you set the hook, and there's nothing there. Yeah. I mean, Minnesota guys all know the know the drill on that, but yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, David, I, I refreshed the backdrop a little bit to give it a little different look and feel. Uh, hope, hope you like it. Um, we might be working on some some new branding and some new things for the stream. We got some things in the work that might be coming up that'll be good to to, to improve the quality of the show. Um, so we're going to get into hair jigs, but let's wait a little bit. So we're, we're up to about 50 some live viewers. We'll let a few more people roll in here before we really get into the, the nuggets. Uh, make sure you guys 
hit that thumbs up and and, and share this out a little bit so as many people get to hear uh the, the nuggets about smallies and and uh and, and hair when we get into that mm-hmm. um i did see one question logan says are you running raptors or talons this year <clears throat> Um, I'm running talons and, uh, I, I can kind of show everyone. I got my new boat. It's, uh, it's all wrapped and ready to go. Um, looks pretty good. It's a little more, we got a couple things to add to it yet, but sure. a little more color than, um, you know, you can see, I don't have anything on here yet. I got, I got everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we got the, ta- I got talons down here, all tracks. Um, here's my boat from last year. A buddy of mine at home bought it and uh, comes with free storage, evidently. Yeah, he's the so um, so that you know, all good. Um, but it's kind of nice because I can, uh, you know, there's little measurements and things along the way that I can kind of go back to this boat and uh, you know, do, copy it and duplicate it, and and also um, you know, still up. Uh, Gra- the graphs on here so i've been you know playing around organizing some waypoints and map cards and just just saving stuff um right or for yeah. some reason if you if you missed a bracket or a bolt or something you, you got you got some you could grab oh, one in the pinch yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly so um i don't have batteries yet so i'm um you know i might need a you know i can pluck a battery out of here just to make sure stuff works and, and all that but is that the same same model Lund or it is it's a it's a 2075 Pro V bass so just it's just under 20 21 feet so it's a big boat and uh the console's redesigned this year and uh you know a little more friendly for having two screens and and mounting them um mm-hmm. so that's cool uh They've got I I just have I didn't get it in this one just cuz we got it they they got it done for me fairly early in the fall just because they're they, they actually had a really good year last year a lot of the boat companies did and mm-hmm. i think it, they're telling me like if you order one right now you're into this you know into the spring or summer probably to get it so mm-hmm. um, and some of the newer models now have a padded front deck um and some rod storage on the on the port, port front side uh so yeah i i we have the the center part of the front deck is all rods, and I can I mean I can put like over twenty rods in there, so it's you know I'm fine with that. But yeah, so I mean you've been running Lund, I mean since the start of like even I'm sure even before you hit the FLW tour back in the day, and yeah. I remember it was like a big deal when you showed up at Okeechobee for the first time, and everybody's like, "What is that?" Like they were like freaking out. Like you made the you always made the galleries because they're like, well, look at "Who's this the dumbass in the walleye boat?" <laughs> But uh, what what are the what are the big advantages that like keep you in the Lund that you really like? Andrew would like to know. He's very interested in them. So for me, um, you know, any any of the places where we go on big water, I mean, it's you know, I can keep up with everyone, and no one's really passing me. The, the only real disadvantage that I have is, is it's a little bit slower. So mm-hmm. you know, a place like Winyaw Bay, maybe where you got to make a big big boat ride. Um, you know that can set you back a little bit but for the most part like i last year it never was not a hindrance at all mm-hmm. um and you know we we go to half the places we go are big water you know events so uh no it's good i it the front deck's huge um the storage i have more storage than any of the guys i fish against um and you know it's a premium aluminum boat so uh, a little bit you know they are a little bit cheaper than the glass uh, so 
you know, it's a good option. I, and you know, for me where I, I live kind of in Lund country and, uh, I've been, I've been lucky. Like they've, they've helped me out. Um, you know, since I think it's 2007, uh, I've been running one of these boats. So, um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy and proud and, uh, grateful that, that I, that, you know, I'm able to, to run one of these things. Yeah, I definitely see it more and more. There's a couple of young kids, the bars, they, they run a lot. And yeah, there's times when like, we had a tournament on leech in September and like, I was like passing them. And then all of a sudden we got out across the big bay and then they just kept on going. I had to like slow down and quarter and like, so. yeah, I mean, like I, I can't, you can't, I don't want it to, you know, it's not bulletproof. Uh, right. Nothing you, is. Like, in big water, you know, I can't necessarily go way faster or anything like that, but it's a much smoother ride. Like I get all kinds of compliments from the marshals, co-anglers, um, camera guys, because it's, you don't, you know, you're not doing this so much. It's right. the, all the front just kind of breaks them and, and uh, you know, but if you go, I mean, in any boat, if you go too fast, you just, you're going to break stuff. Right? If you're not smart, it's, it doesn't matter. That's for sure. Like, um which obviously growing up on Lake of the Woods, you, you've seen your fair share of rough water. So <clears throat> you're kind of used to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was gonna say the camera guys probably are like one of the guys that love your boat the most. Like they probably just got like more room for their bags and their gear. Yeah. And they don't have to worry about it sitting up. There's like, <clears throat> so. The back, I mean, I can kind of, kind of show you here. on. Sure. On <laughs> And then while you're doing that, are you planning to run lithiums or standard batteries this year? Oh, man, I'm an AGM guy. I don't want anything to do with the lithium, to be honest with you. Why is um, that? Just all my buddies. So, I, you know, I, no secret, travel with the Johnstons, Fighter, and Chris Grow. Those guys all run them. And every night almost it's a shit show because somebody's not charging or something's wrong. Or I literally plug mine in and – it's no issues. I'm running good ones. Um, I got, I'm going to run some this year, uh, X2. It's a new brand. Um, but they're, you know, like three or $400 batteries or high end. And, uh, you know, like I had a couple times this year where I didn't get charged up and I can, you know, like normal use, I can run like go two days on my trolling motor. Um, and I run a deep cycle for my cranking battery. I mean, pretty common now. Everyone does that. But, um, you know, I can run four graphs, my my radio, live well, and not have to think about it. And so for me, I just, you know, and I also like regular guy, I'm not spending three grand on batteries. Right. You know, so whatever. big bucks. So, so I, you, you, me, don't, you don't want to be on the bleeding edge paying the premium. Like maybe in a five years when the price comes down and they've got the and, bugs worked out, then right for sure that's the way it's gonna go um but no i'm 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 like uh you know i don't i'm not super techie like i just want for me like having good equipment that works is by far like number one most important thing and uh and that's you know for for me i know the raptors are going to be awesome um but i i want to challenge just because um I, I like that you just, it's too, you know, you hook them up to your battery and you go, it's, you know. Yeah. Awesome. What's up, Epic Eric joining the show. Nice. Um, and we almost up to 80. So that's awesome. Let's keep rolling in. Um, yeah. Lots of questions here that we might get into. Yeah. I think you said it's a, it's a 20. What is the the length of your boat actually? 20 foot. 10 inches. 20 foot. So almost 21. Two wide. And uh Yeah. Cool. 
So you're rigging everything up a couple weeks. You're heading down south. Um, you know, one of the things I always wondered is like, do you do you ever stop in Minnesota very often and fish, or are you just like driving through? Yeah, usually just driving through, just because like it's so far for me to go everywhere. Yeah. Um, and for anyone that doesn't know, I live like 60 miles north of the Minnesota border, so sort of seven hours straight north of Minneapolis. Yeah, and so you're not too far from Winnipeg, right? No, I'm like two hours east of Winnipeg. Okay, yeah. So I actually, <clears throat> my dad was born in Morode. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, and I, uh, for a lot of years, we would go up and every summer we'd go spend so two, three weeks fishing uh, Buffalo Bay. Yeah. Uh, so we would stay in Warroad and then drive across and launch in Buffalo Bay or we'd fish, you know, the Warroad, Buffalo Bay area all the time. Yeah. So pretty familiar. One, The only one time I made the drive to the, uh, the angle. And but, the, I mean, we're lucky. So the Lake, Lake of the Woods, like if you've only been to Warroad or Baudette, Baudette um, on the U.S. side, I mean, it's like going to the ocean, right? It's it's. Right. Um, but the lake actually has 14,000 islands. Like it's huge, a million acres. Mm-hmm. Um, so up on the Canadian side, we, we got lucky and we got all the islands. So you can, you know, no matter what the weather does, there's there are some big stretches, but you can always hide out and go go fishing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's it, you couldn't pay me to live anywhere else in the summer. I mean, it's it's an awesome place if you, if you like the outdoors and fishing and hunting. Yeah, I wish I would have got up to that, you know, the angle and up more. Like, yeah. just never did because I thought that was really cool when we drove up. Because you actually, it's really interesting. There's a part of Minnesota that you can only access by water or driving through Canada to get there. It's really strange. Most people don't know that. There's like, I don't know, a couple hundred square. I mean, that's not very big, but that you can't get there without going through Canada or water. Yeah, yeah. and and it's. Um, I'm not sure, like, if you're a resident there, I'm not sure what they've been doing through all this COVID mess. Sure. Border's closed to, like, you can't just drive over the border. You got to um, have a purpose and a plan and, like, yeah. business and, yeah. Yeah, I'm allowed, like, we're allowed to cross. We got, we, Bassmaster helped, like, early when this started, Bassmaster helped us out. And, uh, um, you know, a couple people from U.S. Customs help, were helpful. And uh, we... <clears throat> I mean, it's our main source of income. It's our job, and so we we were, you know, we've been able to to cross the border, and then um, it's but it's not, you know, it's it's not very convenient right now, especially like coming back to Canada. Um, They have uh, we have to quarantine for like two weeks when we come back. We're not supposed to be doing, you know, being around anybody. Um, So it's which isn't a big deal for you where you live. (laughs) I kind of like. Like when I come home, I don't really like to go anywhere anyway. So nice. Uh, but yeah, no, it's hopefully this will all be over soon. I mean, it's no, it's not convenient for anybody. Yeah, I just, I was, it's such a different lake, even just where I drove up. Like, like I never got to fish up there, but just like it just all of a sudden, like there was cattails and islands and just looked super bassy up there. I was like, man, how come we never fished up here? Cause it's really weird. Cause like Badette, the Rainier River, there's obviously smallies there and then up where you are, but like that middle of the lake literally has almost no smallmouth it's really strange probably got the most walleye like per acre in of any lake in the world i mean it's walleye and and uh i'm sure there are some bass um if you find rock down there like i'm sure it's there's probably like really good bass and no one fishes for them um so we have a big tournament every and this is what ignited my love for tournament fishing and bass fishing we have a tournament up in kenora um in my hometown called the kbi and it's been Mm -hmm. going over 30 years 
And in the last um, like six to eight years, the tournament's been getting won almost every year down around the mouth of the Rainy River, around the Rainy River. And it's a hmm. it's seventy five mile ride, and yeah. you've got some big water. I mean, it's a I never I've never even gone and done it before. Um, but that's where these guys are winning the tournament, like catching magnum. Hmm. You know, like 20, 20 pound bags of smallmouths, and uh, so yeah, it's kind of cool. But it's it's funny. Like I fished this tournament for for since the mid nineties, and it's interesting how it's like different different sections of the lake will like thrive. You know, be the place for five years, and then it's you know onto another area. And there's pockets of largemouths. Um, it's kind of similar to Champlain. You know, like just good fishing and and sort of some large mulls that can be a factor too. But the, but more recently that around the angle and then down around the river, that's kind of where it's been going down. Um, you know, so kind of interesting. That's cool. <clears throat> What's your favorite, like is where you live your favorite part of Lake of the Woods or is there a different section that's your favorite or? Um, probably like I live on the West arm of the lake. So that's probably my favorite just because, uh, you know, just, so much history and, and, and stuff, but like I can, I, I spend, uh, you know, probably half my days now in the summer and I, and obviously I'm gone a lot more, so I don't get to fish out there a ton, but I probably do like six or eight days every summer where I go south towards the angle or, you know, south of the, the south part of the lake and, uh, and just fish completely new water. It's exploring. And, I mean, you, you, you catch a ton of fish. It's, it's always a good time, you know? Cool. Yeah. So what's your what's your uh, Lake of the Woods PB bass? I, a, I actually caught a seven point two four or seven one nine at something like that. It was over seven a uh, largemouth in a tournament uh, out of Soon Arrows. So that's on the east side of the lake. Um, probably the best largemouth area on the lake. That was a largemouth. Yeah. Uh, Smallmouth. I got a couple right around five pounds, like you know five two five three maybe. Um, that's, and that's, you know, there's been some bigger ones weighed in in some of the tournaments. Um, there's actually been a couple six pounders and, uh, that I know of and, you know, several fives, but, but like a, a you know, a four or four and a quarter, that's, that's getting to be like, that's a Kong here. That's a big one. Sure. Cool. You get a pound bag out here. You're, you know, you're usually going to be the boss. Yeah. That's a good point, Andrew. Let's just touch on that quick. So yeah, for you guys that... <clears throat> Our regulars in the channel. I'm not doing a public group for fantasy fishing this year. I'm doing a private group. So if I give away prizes, it's going to be for my community. It's not going to be the person that enters every single group and wins every single group. So, yes, join the Beat Hellabass uh, page. Um, and I'll show you where that is quick while we're thinking about it. Um, let's see here. What? Yeah, there we go. Oops. Nope. Getting crazy here. All right, so just scroll down here. We're actually the biggest private group right here. We can catch a bunch of these public groups. So go there, beat Halibas, and the password is jigs for pigs, all lowercase. So there you go. That's the password. It's also posted on my community page. You can find it there. Uh, password jigs for pigs. Are hey, are uh, are we allowed to play too? I think you're you're probably allowed to play. I don't know if you're allowed to win. You guess you have to. Maybe Ronnie could answer that for us. I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of familiar faces in here. I see already a bunch of people that are in the video are in this uh, this group for sure. So 
Well, yeah. it would be fun because, like, I, like all the guys that I stay with, like Seth and Corey, like I don't even think they know how to use a computer, so they probably <laughs> wouldn't know how to do it anyways. But, um, but yeah, it'd be kind of fun to, to play against those guys. Not for not for things we can talk about, anyways. So, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so let's give a fan. So, what's what's the one stop that absolutely somebody should pick Gussy this year? Uh, I don't know. I mean, those last two, uh, the, the St. Lawrence and Champlain. I mean, I'm 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 excited for those. I I've fished both places twice. Um, had had pretty good tournament at at each place this past year and. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I finished 12 both times at the river, so I've had good events, but I've had like one day that's kind of hurt me. Right. And uh, hard, like you can't have a stumble and no, make the 12 there. No, you can't. So, um, I've, I've had a couple really killer days too. And, um, it's, it's crazy how that place changes every, like from day to day. I mean, I, it, it really does. But when you like find when, when it's so easy, like when you find where they're at or figure it out, I mean, it's so fun and easy. Yeah, it's like you either it goes down and you hammer them or you struggle. Like there's not an in between, right? Like, yeah. Well, the first day, I mean, I had a camera guy in the boat with me. I was on live, and I was I had a pretty good practice. I mean, I figured I was going to catch them pretty good. And um, uh, Seth and I, um, we we you know we practiced together quite a bit and, and compared notes and fished a lot of the same stre- areas, you know, and, and mm-hmm. found little stretches. And we both uh, really st- sort of struggled that first day and. The wind had sort of changed directions, and I think a couple, a couple of the places that I was fishing had had wind helping the current go by them in practice. And it, I mean, it was it was really easy, and uh, they were gone off off some of these spots, like completely gone. And then you you know then it's like you gotta go figure it out. And um, I, I I yeah, it was a sucky day the first day, and then the second day I go out. I think I had like 16 pounds. So the second day I go out and in the first hour I have like 21 pounds, <laughs> you know? So it's like, right. uh, life's yeah, good. Sure. and then that makes just for like a super fun day. Cause you're the pressure's off and, um, and you, you know, you're going to just, you just fish better. And, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, those two are probably the ones that, that I'm most excited about. Um, but it's, it's funny. I mean, you never know. I've had some of my, like, you know, it, on FLW and, and in the elite series, some of the events where I didn't really have real high expectations or anything. And, and they've worked out, you know, you find a good program or a good area and, or the, you know, the right pattern and it's, and it's, yeah, it's easy. And, and you, all of a sudden you're, you're in contention, but. Or you catch a, a freak show like you did at Santee. Yeah. Like literally that fish got me in the top 10 there. And I, I that was the only day. So I fished, Three practice days in four days of the tournament. That was the, that day two. I caught that big fish. That was the only day of the whole week I caught five keepers. Like that's how tough the fishing was there. And I think I like caught two, one, and uh, like two or three, and shook a couple off the third day mm-hmm. of practice. Um, and uh, I just I ended up just going to an area where I could where I could just flip all day. There was a lot of mats, and and that's what I did. And um, it, it you know it worked out. So you got that big one punching? I got it punching. So that was that was about as cool a way to catch a nine pounder as you you know you could you could have asked for. Um, and I flipped into a mat and, and it was at like noon. Um, uh, I think I think I had two fish at that point. I got them both pretty early. I had a four pounder and like a keeper, and I'm like 
you know, I think I had, I had four for 12 or 13 pounds. Right. First. And I'm like, if I get, I just got to get my limit here. If I get a couple, three more keepers, I'm, I'm going to make the cut. I'm going to make some money and I'll be looking really good for the classic. But if I don't, that's how fine of a line it is. I mean, it's crazy. You just like a couple bad days. You can just bury, bury you, you know? And, uh, yeah, head down flipping and, um, flipped in. I remember it all perfectly. I flipped in just, you know, let my bait punch through. And it was just, I didn't feel the bite or anything. It was just one of those, you know, when you lift and it just feels different, set the hook. And I was like, Oh man, please be a bass. It was one of those ones where the hook and it didn't really move. And I caught the day before the first day I caught like a 20 pound mudfish, like a mad mudfish. And I thought I had a, you know, an eight or 10 pounder that day. So that was my first thing. Like, please don't be a mudfish. And this thing came shooting out of the mat and, uh, and sort of, you know, went to the back of the boat and, and came up and, you know, saw its mouth come out of the water and like, Oh God. And, uh, I literally, uh, turned her and just pulled her right to me. And she just came right to me, mouth open, grabbed her. Like it was five seconds from the time I set right. the hook in my hand. So that was sweet. So fighter was fishing just by coincidence was fishing, uh, like a hundred yards away from me when I caught it. And, uh, he told me, you know, we'd, we'd been talking back and forth a little bit. And he said he'd caught a, he caught a seven pounder, you know, first thing in the morning in that area. And, uh, I, I, he's, he, you know, I was fired up when I caught it and he said, how big was that? And I'm like, I think it's over seven. And, uh, and we sort of fished closer to each other and, and I actually caught, I, I, I put that fish in the live well, went back up to the front deck and like didn't touch the trolling motor. And like three or four flips later, I caught up like a six pounder. And I thought, yeah. I didn't think it was that big when I caught it, just, but it, it really actually it looks small after you catch a nine, yeah. right? Like <laughs> I caught that one, boat flipped it. And then I'm like, I'm half, I'm like the happiest guy in South Carolina now. Like I'm fishing the next day. Life's good. And, uh, so Seth and I get close to each other and he, he, he only had like two fish the first day. So then I'm, you know, like, Hey dude, carry on down the stretch. And like, sure. he, he's like, I need one more and I'll have a good chance to make the cut. And, uh, uh, you know, like how big is that thing? He says, and I'm like, I, I don't know, man, it's for sure over seven. And I'm like, you want to, you want to throw a hundred bucks on big bass? <laughs> and, uh, like, and he's like, yeah, for sure. Uh, so we did. So I actually wrote a blog for Bassmaster for the website and, and sent it in yesterday about this, the story about this. Um, and, uh, but I, I get up to the, you know, I, so we get back to weigh in and I go up on stage and Mercer, Seth had told Mercer about the bet and, uh, I get up there and, and Seth has the big bass of the day. It's like a seven ten or something. And so I never weighed this thing, but when I, when I bagged my fish up, I mean, I, I then at that point I'm like, this thing is, is a Kong. Like it's, it's for sure. Like it's going to be more than seven pounds. Nice. And, uh, but you know, I don't, that's the second biggest bass I've ever caught. I mean, I don't get to see those very often either. So, um, weigh at nine, seven and, uh, you know, so I get back to the house and I get out of my truck and he's already like walking over to me. And he's like, I ain't even freaking paying you. And that's not, he didn't say freaking. <laughs> you, you sandbagged me, freaking nine pounder. I told you mine was a seven and he was pissed. He's, and, uh, and, and <laughs> so I'm like, 
I'm fishing the next day and I'm in my boat rigging up and about an hour later he came and gave me 80 bucks. <laughs> He's like, not getting the full hundred because <laughs> he bullshitted me so bad. Um, but I think the the boys guilted him into into paying me and he did so. Nice. <laughs> I'll, I'll, he'll 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 get it back this year, I'm sure. Nice. Kevin wants to know, is that a lone uh gulp behind you? Like just one <laughs> one rogue gulp back there? So if you're if you're if you weren't on here right at the start, I got a new garage. Like literally in the last uh, couple days, um, moved all my fishing gear in. So it's it's you know, it's kind of stuff's not you know. I got some pegs to fill up yet. Um, so it's in the process. Yeah. He thought that was the walleye section with just the one chunk yeah. of gulp there. <laughs> yeah, gulp minnows. They are good walleye baits. Caught a few smallmouth on them before. But yeah, no. Got some new Bagley crankbaits. Um, there you go. They're a new sponsor this year, and um, yeah, pretty excited about that. the the this the shallow square billing, shallow cranking's probably my you know I probably caught like ten bass in my life doing that. That's my my weakness. Um, so yeah, so that's I'm excited to you know have some good baits and um, get to do a little bit more of that this year. You know, yeah, is that is that your main new partner? Are there any other new partners for 2021 or? Uh, Gamagatsu as well. So nice. that, that was, um, yeah, really awesome. Um, you know, they, uh, yeah, they're helping me out a little bit and, uh, you know, that, that's, it's, it's so great when, uh, you can get, get hooked up with one of these companies that, um, you really love and use a lot of their stuff. I mean, I have a, I'm a picky hook guy. Um, I buy, buy thousands of, uh, of jig hooks and I have a couple of buddies that make really nice jigs from two mm-hmm. to Ned rigs. And, and uh, I get them to make me all kinds of jigs with different hook sizes, different um, hook thicknesses. And uh, so, you know, just to be able to play around with all that and, and, uh, and, you know, I'll share some of that with people here as we, we go through the year, but yeah, Gamagatsu, Bagley, and then these X2 batteries. Those are the, those are the new nice. ones. Cool. But and, and to be fair, eighty dollars US is like a hundred Canadian, so it kind of yeah. works out, right? Yeah, I think he might have actually <laughs> tried to weasel out by saying that as well. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that did come up actually. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Stanley wants to know: Is there any good frog fishing where you live in the summer? Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, we have we yeah uh, we get really good frog fishing, and it, you know July to like mid-August. Mid-August, we'll start getting some cool nights and then they... Like start. three days when it's warm yeah. enough to eat the frog. And <laughs> But yeah, no, we do. Um, it's funny, like we've had kind of low water the last couple of years. And if we get those low water years, it's not that good. We get a year where there's high water and it's... Uh, yeah, it's phenomenal. I see Patty... Patty's yeah. gammy Aaron flip hooks are yummy. Um, so Brandon McMillan called me today. One of my, he's one of my best friends from, from mm-hmm. we met each other fishing FLW and, uh, and, and traveled and stayed together for a few years. He called me up today. He's the most panicked guy. If he, if he doesn't have like a, a tackle item or the right hook, um, he panics. And, uh, he called me up today looking for some of the Aaron Martin, uh, the new flipping hook. So nice. Um, yeah, so hopefully we can we can wrangle some up. They're sold out everywhere, I guess. So have you played around with the ring DWGs from Gami? Um, a little bit, and and because of Seth, I mean that's right. 
his deals, he always flips with that hook. Um, not for punching, but for, you know, for, for yeah. flipping, just yep. regular flipping, pitching. Um, that's the hook he uses. And uh, it, it just, you know, it allows that bait to kind of do more of this. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, it hooks him good. And, um, you know, yeah, that's definitely going to be part of the arsenal. Yeah, I'm a I'm a believer. I also tried it because of Seth, and uh, I mean, I feel like my hook land ratio went way up for like just that general like foil edge grass flipping type stuff. Yeah. Like, it's it's yeah. a thing. Whether it's whether it's the VMCs or the Gami, I think that Ring DWG is a, is legit. <clears throat> yeah, no, and that's yeah, that's something that uh, uh, you know I I don't think he talks about it a whole lot. He has mentioned it before, but yeah, just. That's that he he definitely does that a lot. So Epic Eric's got a question here. What what are some of the most effective smallmouth crossover techniques for largemouth? And good question. I a lot of uh, a lot of the fishing that I do at home around Lake of the Woods. I mean, I I we have awesome tournaments up here in the summer. They're all kind of community run events, and uh, um, <laughs> largemouths are a factor. So um, <laughs> I'm laughing. That's the message there. Uh, <laughs> kick them out. Send them out here. <laughs> Good. Um, but for but we I love to fish areas where you where you can catch large mulse and small mulse at the same time. And I'm and right. and going back to Champlain. I mean that's going to be one of my my you know try to get in those areas where you can catch one or the other. And uh, you know chatterbaits definitely been one. And it's not a secret bait or anything. But like for mm-hmm. you up here i never used the chatterbait because i just assumed it would be a you know it would be a pipe magnet it makes too much noise it's going to catch too many pipe been my bait of the year the last you know three or four years um that hula stick ned rig bait that that i use um i i go through hundreds of those things a year. i i uh i catch so many fish on those and walleyes too but um but i've caught a lot of big large mouse on that hula stick uh you know, obviously, like a Senko type bait too. Um, yeah. It's it around home. I use those baits a lot more because I know like where the juice is. But right. bait where you you know you I don't ever throw it hardly when I'm down fishing in a lead event unless I you know I really know where the juice spot is or maybe if I'm fishing some docks or something. But um, but usually you don't ever want to fish that slow. You know, you always gotta you're always hunting looking just looking for biters, but. Uh, but yeah, probably a chatterbait and a, and a that hula stick top water. Yeah. <clears throat> that hula stick is 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 really underrated. I think um, I like the hula stick and the, the the tickler Z. But the nice thing about the hula stick, right, is you can leave it long for more largemouth, for more Nico jigworm stuff, right, and then you can just nip it down, and you got kind of a a Ned with a little more flair, right? So, and I use the green pumpkin, you know, like that's pretty well. I, I use a few of the different colors, but like most of the time I use green pumpkin and, and like their green pumpkin hula stick has a ton of salt in it. And I know that, uh, I, I, that makes me happy too. I like that. Um, Does that color actually have more salt or I, it seems like it does in that bait more than some of the other baits. And I don't know if there's anything to that or not, but I just know that that thing catches fish. I, I have, uh, I probably have eight bags of the regular TRD and Z-Man's like one of my best sponsors. And right. I probably have a hundred bags of Hula sticks. Yeah. So, 
There's something yeah. about it, like the yeah. whether it's the the tickler or the hula stick. In my mind, those little tentacles just give me more confidence. I don't mm -hmm. know. They're just like they're they're kind of like perfectly round, straight, dude. Like I I just feel like when I you know if I pitch it over there, it's just falling straight where I want it to. More sure, it's not doing this as much, but. I mean, I've had co-anglers and buddies, you know, whip my ass with a TRD before too. So it's not like it's. I'm not saying the TRD is not a good bait either. Um, you know, I think it is, but um, but yeah, use what you have confidence in, and um, you know, I almost it's like one of those baits where I don't want to. You almost don't want to like tell too many people. And like at the St. Lawrence, like killer, it's killer for you know, catching cruisers up shallow and it's killer in 30 feet, you know, on a little football head on the bottom. And, uh, but it's like, I want to tell people so they buy them just so that like if the bait does well and it, you know, cause like all these tackle companies, you know, if a bait doesn't do very well for a couple of years, she, she gone. And, uh, I don't want ever want that to happen. I don't think it will, but yeah. That's way. You've been kind of known. I mean, like the, the the chatterbait has been a staple for you, even back when you were fishing FLW. You were you were making good checks back in the day. Yeah. Uh, maybe talk about your setup. Like, what do you like for rod, <clears throat> line, gear ratio? What's your favorite trailers? Yeah. So uh, for me, for the most part, I use a I use an eight ninety three NRX. It's a seven five, basically a medium heavy rod. That's what I like to throw chatterbait on. Um, they've got in the IMX Pro line, they've got an actual like chatterbait specific rod coming, but, um, and it's a, it's a seven, four. So, you know, similar ballpark, maybe a little bit softer tip, which would, will be great. Um, but I've used, I use that 893. That's, I, that's like my do everything. My favorite rod. I use it for football jigs, the football jigs I throw, um, you know, the Z-Man one, um, a couple others that some buddies have made for me. I don't like a, like a big flipping hook in it. I like just like that 604 gammy. That's, you know, uh, it's a strong hook and, it, and with fluorocarbon, you'll never open it up, but I don't like, I like to use floral. So I don't want to use like the, the big, like some football jigs come with like a flipping hook in them. And I, sure. I don't really like that. Uh, just cause on a long cast, you're going to have a hard time, um, you know, penetrating, especially on a big fish. Um, uh, chatter chatter baiting i pretty much only ever use 20 pound fluoro uh sometimes i'll use braid like down in florida if you're you know if you're if you're kind of forced to around a lot of grass and they make one my, my like i use the jackhammer a lot but to be mm -hmm. honest i catch i've caught more fish on the and the one that i use the most is the chatterbait custom and it's one they make for tackle warehouse yep that's it that thing honestly catches just catches fish but the attachment on it and you can show everyone rich is it's a it's a wire connector so you can't open it up like if you use the jackhammer with braid you you'll open up the the snap you got to use fluorocarbon that thing you can um use on braid and uh yeah it's a good bait i gave i gave one to uh to chris johnston at okeechobee and uh he went in a, he was in a fishing in a big group with with uh, you know a bunch of guys and he smoked everyone with a three-eighths black and blue um that chatterbait custom and yeah, uh, it's a really good hook in it yeah it's got the bait keeper a single bait keeper which <clears throat> some people some people say they cut the second 
keeper off jackhammers. They think it tears out baits more than it helps. I don't know. <clears throat> and uh, you get the, I mean, you got the, a lot of them are these blacked out kind of blades. Um, I, I don't know, like for the money, I'll throw this, especially if everybody in the area I know is throwing a jackhammer, I'll whip yep. out the custom to show them something different. So No, it's got a little bit different vibration, but that one catches fish. And I, I hate that because, uh, you know, a lot of my buddies up here, and I have a good friend that has a tackle shop here, and I tell these guys that, and um, you know, but that's the only place you can get it is from. Yeah, tackle rolls, I think they're 8 bucks. Yeah, I yeah. I think six, maybe six ninety nine, even. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's a good bait, and um, you know, yeah, a little bit. If you're fishing, you know, like in Minnesota, where there's we got a lot of pike, and um, it's probably a better option. Yeah, for sure. Like it's definitely it has a place, hundred um, percent. And what did you say? What trailers you like on your? your I'm a, I, I I pretty much only use the Razor Shed, which is Z-Man's. Uh, I got one up here. Sure. Here, Chatterbait trailer, and um. You know, I, I don't know. At that Harris Chain tournament, I, I finished second uh, throwing a white chatterbait there. And uh, I had – I was using – you know, I had the Lake Fork, the Yamamoto. Z-Man wasn't sponsoring me, but uh, this was the one I, I did the best with. And, you know, that's, that's you know, a, a shad-colored one. Um, but it's a segmented, you know, similar to the Lake Fork. Um, yep. Good profile. Um, it's got a pretty thick body, so it doesn't ever tear off. And I mean, you can, you can put that on and a dab of glue and, you know, throw that, your skirt will get ripped off the, the chatterbait before the, this thing as well. And they, yeah. they have it in all the different colors to match whatever, whatever bait it is. But if you haven't tried it, not that many guys use these and, uh, I, honestly catches fish it's that's the one that i use it fits on the baits but it looks good so I it's like, an elastic do you see any difference in like keeping your your bladed jig down with that versus something that's got more salt or heavier or not really a no but i mean i do i i never really thought of that because it is a big chunk of plastic um but i you know for the most part i always use a half ounce and sure. Um, you know, we've got the three quarter ounce models now. If you do want to like it, like at Harris Chain, I used a half ounce in that tournament, and a lot of the fish I was catching were in like eight, ten, even twelve feet of water. Like they were out there, and I just would let it get down, and then I'd start. You know, I was doing more like pumping it than actually just straight reeling it. Mm -hmm. There would be holes in the hydrilla, and that's where, if you know, I had times where. I found a hole where they were at and like you could just sit there and catch them like cast after cast and they would just like smash the thing. It was, it was pretty awesome. Very cool. Nice. Yeah. yeah cool. <clears throat> yeah. 20 yep. floral. Uh, and I just, I use a seven to one, you know, real, uh, you know, a metanium Shimano metanium or a Bantam. Uh, Corrado is a good reel too. Um, and I just use a seven to one for pretty much everything. And I know a lot of guys like us a, a little bit slower reel, a six, six, three, maybe. Um, but I just use a seven to one. I use it for everything and you just kind of get a feel for it and, and just maybe reel it a little bit slower and, you know. But, yeah. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Oh, let's see, there's a couple of questions. Let's see if there's anything I want to touch on here. Um, 
There was a lot of good questions. We're not going to be able to keep up to all of them. So, uh, <laughs> um, you pick out uh, whatever ones you want. Yeah, that's cool. We'll, we'll catch back up. Um, so, a couple guys mentioned they want to hear some stories about your travel mates. And uh, so, you're running with the same crew this year. Any changes, any additions, any uh, subtractions? No, we, uh, yeah, no, we're, we're rolling again. Um, we've been, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing that's challenging and, and I mean, I don't know, it's a little bit stressful right now just cause like there's so much going on trying to get, get ready to roll is, is finding houses to rent for the year, right. and, uh, you know, finding places to stay and, and the big, you know, there's five of us. So, um, the big, the biggest thing is just having parking for the number one thing is having parking for everybody's rigs. So, you know, most of the time if we're, you know, if we're not around any cities, if we're, if it's not too big of a city where the event's going out of, it's usually pretty easy to find places to stay. Um, but like, if uh, <laughs> oh man, but like if you get around like Detroit and you go to St. Clair, like there's no houses to rent there where we can park. Right. That one, you know, you got to do the hotel thing. But but yeah, we find houses to rent. Um, Chris Grow is. Uh, He's the number one guy on that. He takes care of uh, a lot of them. I take care of a few. Uh, Chris and Corey have been getting a few, and I don't think Seth has ever booked one for us. So um, he's he's failing in that department, and uh, you know, yeah, he's going to have to. We're going to just have to give him a couple assignments. Um, does he make up with like Green Belt Elites, or does he like? Yeah, I know. I mean, he the. He gets by, like he gets a pass because he's just he's like the funnest guy to be around and hang with, you know. Like we love how you know, I love that we get to uh part of the group. Like we have so much fun together and uh, yeah, it's good times. Um so what what's uh what's uh one I don't know, PG thirteen story you can tell from last season that maybe people well, don't know. The the best story that comes to mind and uh I don't know if anyone saw this, but like Two year, like our, my first year fishing the elites two years ago. Yep. Um, the last couple tournaments, Seth Seth hired a camera guy to come and stay with us, and uh, and just basically filmed like the antics of, you know, during at, at the house at night and in the morning. Right. And uh, he put it. They, the guy made a couple videos. They put them on YouTube, and he got Seth got told to take them down. <laughs> they are not like appropriate really like there's they were over the line a few times <laughs> uh, i don't know if anyone like a few guys saw them, but they were i close. know some guys that saw them and by the time i got the link they were already taken down so yeah. i heard about them but i didn't see them probably for the best it was, it was called derby boys right derby boys yeah yeah so i don't know if that'll ever if that'll get revived or not um but it was it was like yeah there was some borderline stuff that was on there but like the number one the best story we we're at cayuga and uh, I think it was going into day three because Chris Chris had a good tournament. He didn't make the top ten, but Corey did. So it was, I think it was after day two. Um, there were you know it's just before dark. We're rigging up in the you know in the driveway, and uh, Corey goes, "I need some oil." And Chris goes, "I only got one can, so you're find your own oil." And Corey goes to his truck and takes Chris's jug of oil and. and <laughs> And Chris goes, no, you're not taking my oil. And he had a flipping stick in his hand, and he, like, whipped him with it. <laughs> and next thing you know, he's out of the boat, and they're, like, 
half they're fighting and like there's a lot of good chirps going on and uh and Corey and and chris goes you can go try and put that oil on your boat but there's not a chance any of it's gonna go in like you're not getting it in your motor and uh and he started to pour it in and chris was making it spill all over and it was weird just like Seth and Chris and I and my my wife was actually with us then too. We were just outside and the camera guy was filming it all. Um, but that was pretty funny. And then the best part of it was Chris still had like another cape. They had they those guys have so much shit in the back of their truck, like it was a mess. And um he ended up having like a whole case of oil still in <laughs> in the back of the truck. So it ended up being like a big fight and it was, you know. Didn't for that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what the uh the, the new the two point version of the Derby Boys, how how edgy versus over the line that'll end up being. Yeah, so. I, 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 I know the I know they got that planned. I see uh yeah, the proper Bassin man. Um I haven't heard any I don't know what the what the story is on all that yet. So yeah, I'm sure it'll be entertaining. Um I don't know Matt, but I you know, obviously um like everybody else, he he looks like he's a beauty and uh yeah. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it'll be entertaining. And you might, you might get. I mean, you might be in the fringes of it. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the yeah. background, an innocent bystander of it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. No, there was. Uh, you know, yeah. There's. It, it's like. There's. There's like if there's any opportunity to chirp somebody like like it could be about whatever music they pull into the driveway they're listening to or. You know, like I try to eat half decent. Like I, I, I don't like, I'll usually buy groceries for the week. Like I don't really, if we got a nice house rented and, you know, we fish from dark to dark, I come back to the house. I just want to cook dinner and, and eat. And like most of these other guys, like they usually they'll get like a couple, you know, shitty pizzas, frozen pizzas. And then they're, they're like, they're like a well, the quick trip gas station. Yeah. Tornados. Like, yeah, just like whatever. Like I'll make like a good dinner and, and then I end up got to feed everybody. And, uh, but th- yeah, I get chirped about that a lot. Um, they're like, oh, you're too good to eat the gas station pizza. Gussie. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's just kind of like, yeah, I just try to try to try to stay somewhat like, I'm not like a health nut or anything like that. I, I, I eat plenty of McDonald's and drive-through and fast food, but I I do try to you know keep it keep it kind of tight. Um, but no, but we have fun, um, and and that's a big you know I I it would be hard to do it without having some buddies to you know I th- that would be the one thing that that I I think I dislike if I fished MLF is right. not being able to like talk fishing with the guys, and I mean. We don't we don't let necessarily like share spots and stuff, but it's good to come back to the house at night. You know, it's a fairly short practice that we get, and uh, but we can all kind of compare notes a little bit and uh, and talk about what's happening out on the lake. and And generally, in a day and a half or a couple of days of practice um, between all of us, we, we you know we usually will get some idea of uh, of what's happening. It's, it's benefited all of us for sure and a lot of the guys do that it's not like we're the only group that that does that like there's most of the guys have a a little group that they they stay with or travel with um ours is i guess you know most of the time it's two or three guys probably ours is a little bigger group maybe but but i love all those guys and uh you know this fall i mean we had 
uh, four turn our last four tournaments were over a seven week period. And, uh, so I didn't, you know, I didn't go home for that whole time. So it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it, that, that part of it's not glamorous and, uh, it, it's, it makes it a lot easier when you got some buddies to hang out, with. especially in, you know, if you have a bad day, um, bad tournament, then, you know, it's good it's to a good have traction, right? You don't, you don't necessarily like focus on the fishing you're focusing on the antics and who's who's giving who a hard time and yeah yeah exactly but but that being said it's also a tough crowd in that department because right. those guys are hammers i mean they're yeah like like most of the time like someone from our house is making the top 10 at one of the one of the tournaments you know right so so when you travel back, are you are you towing your boat all the way back, or do you leave your boat places? Uh, this year, I did. I brought my boat back and forth just because you know, never like, knew what was going to happen. Yeah. In a normal year, you know, most of our tournaments, like in the in the winter and spring, are going to be in the southeast. So I'll I'll usually you know leave it in Atlanta, near Atlanta, uh, or Birmingham. You know, I got some buddies just in different you know around some of the cities down there, and I'll usually fly home you know, might be for two weeks or three weeks and then go back. Um, and this year, this year, the schedule's not super convenient for us as far as like, you know, through April and May, we, we, I think we do four tournaments over eight weeks. So we fish yeah. a week off a week, fish a week off a week. And I, I really, um, I don't know what I'm going to do if, I'm, if I'll come home during that at all. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's the way it is right now. Um, I mean, we, we're all like, we're like in a full lockdown in Ontario and, um, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's not very convenient to come home. Um, right. So who knows what kind of, what kind yeah. of shenanigans are going to happen in your off weeks if you're hanging out with those guys? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we, we, you know, we, we definitely, uh, we, we, we don't really get into too much trouble like that way. Like we're not, you know, we have gone out a few times, um, some establishments but uh but generally i mean we we all love to fish so we'll be fishing somewhere and um you know we we always find something to bet about or have a tournament or um you know <laughs> nice so yeah. shout out to bateman and, and uh gabe and white whale and a couple of my buddies in here and a couple of people are asking uh so what what which uh bagley are you uh most excited about for this year which one do you think is going to play the most for you with the uh, I'm gonna grab a couple of them. Show you. <clears throat> All right, well, Gussie's going. Make sure you guys join the Beat Hellabass group and uh, passwords jig for pigs. He's getting us some uh, some some Bagley crankbaits to look at here. Um, so. No. Okay, so obviously, um, you know, known for like the balsa, the balsa baits. Um, this one's probably one of the ones I'm most excited about. It's like the flat. It's a flat crankbait square bill. Um, you know, so the Knoxville tournament uh, at Loudon, our second event in February. That's going to be, you know, the. the the slim crankbaits are going to be probably the deal there. So that's where ought to pull one the classic, right. um, you know, um, the, 
They'll bang a lure. I'm, I'm pretty excited to, you know, throw this thing around in Florida. They have a three banger model that I just grabbed this one, but you know, top water bait with a little prop on the back and, um, you know, proven down in Florida. And that's where this, this sort of bait is famous from is, is Florida fishing. So, um, for sure. Definitely, um, you know, I've watched some of the videos from the St. John's River. I know Hackney almost won the tournament there with a bait like that. Mm -hmm. This one is a little Sunny B crankbait. And I had a, you know, this summer I had a couple craw versions and it was a really good one um, around home here. I caught a pile of smallmouths on them. It's sort of a similar to a DT6 if I was going to compare it to something sure. that everyone's sort of seen. But they've got a bunch of... Uh, um really cool colors new colors that are going to be you know they're going to sell at bass pro um and i i just got some today they're actually in the house i didn't i was going to bring them out here for this and i forgot to grab them so they're in the house right. um but yeah i'm gonna you know I'll, I'll have some pictures of some of that stuff here as we go but uh so yeah. so so tune into the to the gram for some more some bagley photos gram yeah, no for sure and then yeah they've got some really good square bills balsa square bills and they've got They've got some um, technology that uh, the way they make the baits, they actually, a lot of these baits actually will have lead like in the tail um, and they cast for a balsa bait. They actually cast really good. So, um, you know, they're, yeah, they're quality baits. I'm, I'm, yeah, I haven't used them a ton, um, but I'm, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. So Northland tackle out of Minnesota, they bought the daily over this, you know, in 2020 hmm. and, uh, Northland's been one of my longest sponsors, so it was. It was they really uh, wanted to include me in their pro staff, and it was you know felt felt made me feel really good, and uh, I'm excited to you know I'm going to use the baits. Nice. Bateman says you post a bag tomorrow. He'll post a bagley tomorrow. So there you go. Cool. He's probably got some you know some some real good relic uh, ones that I really I'm going to want to have. Uh, but yeah. Uh, he's a new. I just got following him in the last couple of weeks, but yeah, um, awesome stuff, bait man. Eric says uh, Killer B two for that cover cranking. That's what he says. Yeah, I got. I'm going to show everyone what that one looks like. I got one here. Uh... And also, guys, appreciate it. We've been flirting with a hundred total viewers between Facebook and YouTube, so that's awesome. Um, let's uh, let's blow this up so we can see. Uh... B1, so there's a there the B2 is a little bit bigger. That's like your your seven eight foot diving um, crankbait, and and they have them in all the different colors. Um, you know, I know early in the year the red the red uh, the red stuff will be be a big deal. Um, yeah, obviously. So yeah, so what the. Uh, get into the hair stuff. Yeah, so so he's uh, Ryan asks, is, is the Northland coming out with a good marabou jig? And then I guess what else? What else is new with like with with uh, Northland? I mean, like are we throwing some lipstick jigs, some jungle jigs, some jawbreakers. Like, what what are your favorite Northland baits? <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, like um, jungle jig. I've caught more. That thing's been around for twenty five years. Uh, twenty year. I mean, a long time. That was the first jig I ever really caught bass on, and and in its time, like in the early two thousands, yeah. like I think it was the best jig you could you could buy. Um, it's still a good jig. It's very weedless. Really good for fishing around reeds. Um, 
Uh, I don't know. I mean, a lot of the like the the slurp jigs, they make a, a really good like a minnow head jig that yeah. well with uh, the elastic. Um, you know, we do a lot of like the Demiki rig and stuff up here, and you know, sure. those are great for that mimic minnow jig. Um, and uh, yeah, now they they they're gonna have some new some more bassy stuff coming. Um, and, and, a, and a new marabou jig is one of the things that we're, we're working on. So that's, you know, yeah, that's going to be good. Um, I've, I've sent them, um, you know, over the last couple of months, several of the ones, like I make all my own and picky about the hooks. I want to, you know, a good hook in it. Um, I want a, a keeper on the shank to put a, mm -hmm. like, put a little body on the shank of the jig. And that helps you cast it a little bit farther and keeps it bulked up a little bit so it doesn't look like a, a drowned rat in the water. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna make one that has all that all you know, it's gonna be a good good jig. Yeah. I, I Northland, like I, I'm from Minnesota, so I'm I'm there I mean I, there's probably a lot of people on this stream from all over that don't have any idea what a Northland anything is. But they one had the most bright yellow packaging for everything. Yeah. Two, they always had really cool names like the Reed Runner Spinnerbait and the Jawbreaker Spoon and right and the Jungle Jig and like the Jungle Jig was one of the like early jigs that was really like before the all-terrain grass jig and any of those like something you could flip in the wild rice and flip in the reeds and flip in the foil. It was like yeah. ahead of its time, really. Yeah, no, it had the pointy, you know, kind of a pointy nose, and it it is a really good weedless jig, and it's and it stands up straight, like the hook stays up all the time. It's it's a good it's a good jig and. Um, you know, I've, I've gotten into using more of the, um, you know, custom stuff and just have buddies that'll pour some jigs for me. But, uh, but though I've caught like thousands of bass on those jungle jigs, the jawbreaker, um, it, it's been around forever that, so John Peterson, who started the company owned it. He's, he's, he, uh, he started out of his garage in the seventies, like he designed almost all of that stuff. And, um, I fish with him quite a bit. We fish a big tournament every year on Rainy Lake together. Um, and amazing guy. And he, uh, yeah, like some of the designs and stuff that he's he came up with over the years was was yeah ahead of its time. And um, yeah, that jawbreaker is a spoon. It's uh, give me one sec. I'm gonna. I know sure. where there's some. <laughs> yeah. And I'm carrying them around, and I haven't used one for a couple of years. But I, it's like one of those things that I know. Um, it, it'll work and it, it, this thing will go through rice it'll go through anything and, and if nothing else it's it's a really good search bait maybe not something you want to use like spoons are tough for hookups and the jawbreaker is one of the good ones but like in slop spoons get to be tough like they're not always great for hookups so I've, I've got my whole that's my whole frog box and yeah. i've got a little uh i've got some jawbreakers in here i got some new ones this past year and I, I'm like pissed at myself now because like, you know, we fish those tournaments at Gunnersville and Chickamauga late in the year um, in the fall. And like a frog thing was the deal. But basically you can see it's a, that that part goes down and it it when you reel it back, it goes across the surface just like this. And it, I mean, it has a pretty cool action. They got all kinds of colors. Um, you know, there's kind of like your frog frog model. Um the hook is stout. I mean, you could, you know, it's a it's a stout hook. We could probably upgrade that to a to maybe have a better hook, but uh, but yeah, like that's that's a a very original 
beak that that John designed, and you can see the weed guard on the top of it. Um, and uh, you know, yeah, just to, just to, they do have a really like yeah. surprisingly when it comes through, it's it, it snakes like really hard when you reel it through the water. Yeah, well, that's cool. I I did not expect to be talking about a jawbreaker spoon on here tonight. So that's I do cool. feel like the frogs kind of displaced the spoons. When, when, once we got really good frogs that kind of pushed the spoons to the side from that like pad like up up you know the heavy pads the heavy rice up in the north country um but i still think there's a place probably because now the well them, like them fish on leech should probably go crazy for a spoon because they haven't seen one in 20 years now so yeah exactly i mean they like everyone uses a frog it's it's fun and it's easy everyone uses them so it's just something that it, it, it's a bait that you would throw where you would throw a frog and it and something different might you know might yeah for the few bucks it's worth a try um yeah for sure yeah cool and, it, and it's a it's a great multi-species you'll catch pike you'll catch bass like it's super weedless it's super easy for kids to throw you can fish it subsurface so it, i mean it like a, as an all-around bait it's it's got a lot of uh applications yeah. um sure. so to Bateman asked have you ever played around with putting hair on an airplane jig on an airplane jig yeah uh, like, well, like, I use them a lot of ice fishing for lake trout. It's like one of the most, you know, uh, like a bucktail airplane jig. Yeah. Okay. I, you, you guys want to see one of those too? I've got yeah, one. Well, we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're bait junkies on this one. So like, we'll, let's, let's, let's look at it all. I'm getting into my ice fishing tackle here. <laughs> so yeah, you mentioned the yellow packaging. So there. There it is. Um, and I'll open this up so you can see it. And uh, that, for ice fishing for lake trout and pike too, that's like one of the most famous um, baits ever. It's a, you know, that's a Northland one. That's a three-quarter ounce. And, uh, you know, so you can see on the on the jig, it's got these wings off of it. And when, it, when, it, when you, you know, jig it and lift it, it, it really spirals a lot you know, up and down. So yeah, I mean, that's something that <laughs> you imagine like on Gunnersville or on a ledge tournament or something, like maybe that would be the deal. I don't know. It's got yeah, a little preach, preacher jigs when you got an airplane jig, right? <clears throat> yeah, for sure. But that's it right there. Tell, tell Seth to take his chicken somewhere else. You got an airplane jig. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I caught my biggest lake trout ever on one of these. Like probably 15 years ago, I got like a 30, two or 34 pounder on one and I actually i was in i had my shack so if you're in an ice shack like a like a it's a little portable tent that that is built onto a sleigh i pull it behind my snowmobile sure. put my gear in it and you can pop it up and when you're inside one of those things and you you know you drill a big hole um you can actually see down and the lake trout water is all like super clear Right. And most of the biggest trout I ever caught were, you know, you could be fishing over 60, 80, 100 feet of water. And most of the biggest trout would be right under the ice. And that big one I caught, um, I was actually watching the jig and the thing came in and like a shark, you know, their fins are out. Uh, it, it was pretty cool. I watched it bite, but yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Bateman says 100% works for ledge fishing. Give it a try. <laughs> okay it could be a tip of the year right there that's i like it yeah because there's a lot of tva now obviously pickwick now different time of year that's one thing i want to ask you what are your thoughts on that switch like excited um, about that you roll with the punches doesn't really matter what's uh the one thing that uh like 
I think it's better for me as for mm-hmm. for the classic, just because I'm I, I like to fish offshore. And now we're going to the classic's gonna be in June. That's gonna be an offshore tournament, I think. Um, you know, I could be wrong, but I, I'm almost gonna guarantee you that's gonna be an offshore tournament. So uh, I like that. Um, Pickwick is one of my it's probably my favorite ledge fishing lake. Um, you know, Kentucky Lake's the biggest, so there's a lot of spots there, but Pickwick's got a lot more spots, in my opinion, than Gunnersville, than Chick, um, as far as ledge fishing goes. And uh, my very first ledge tournament that I ever fished, it was in 2014 at Pickwick, and I, I actually was leading the first day. I caught a yeah. 10 pounder the first day. It was like, had a, had a really good tournament, had a lot of fun. And so... You know, I guess I got a soft spot for for that. So yeah, we're going in March now, so it won't, it won't be you know offshore ledge fishing probably then. But uh, it'll be yeah. a little more wide. It'll fish bigger and it'll be a little more wide open. I think yeah. overall, top to bottom, it's going to yeah. be a really fantastic tournament. Yeah. No, I, I mean I I'm I'm all good going to the Tennessee River Lakes anytime. I mean they're great. They they're all they all have a lot of fish and they get a lot of pressure. Um, you know, I've had some bad days on those lakes, but I've had, I usually, you know, enjoy fishing, fishing those places. So, yeah, I got to hit up Pickwick in November for the first time ever and uh, had one really good day and one tough day. So I saw both sides of it, but that, that lake was really cool. I thought even, even in November when it was tough and obviously, you know, you were fishing, <laughs> you know how tough it was this year. And uh, it still, I thought was a pretty cool lake, even, even in that. So I couldn't yeah. imagine being there when it's, when it's on. Our fishing up north is so good in the fall. Like that's it's the best. You know, it's the best time you, you go down south, and it's yeah. I mean, it, in those tournaments we fished this fall. If you, I mean, if you could get your limit every day, you were getting a healthy check. I mean, that's you're how dominating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's 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 take a look. You talked about that hair jig. Let's look at the jigs you make, and then let's just let's take a deep dive on hair jigs for a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, it's funny because I, you know, everyone always, I, I've been pretty open about these, um, you know, and, uh, you know, it is what it is. It's funny because, like, in the FLW days, like, they, I remember one time they tried to do a story with us about them, and Chris and Corey um, wouldn't talk to anyone about it. And I don't, I think to this day, they still don't really talk about the hair jigs very much. And, uh, they, <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's a bit of a secret thing and it's, um, but it's, it's one of my, you know, techniques that I have a lot of confidence in. I've won a lot of money with. So I usually keep them just in a little soft pack like this. And, uh, you know, um, I don't, it's kind of light right now. I haven't, uh, I haven't tied any up yet for this year, but, um, most of the time I'm going to be using black. Um, but I, I, you know, I've got some, you know, some olive ones, uh some chartreuse and some white ones um but you know a lot of black a lot of the you like after i've used them i just i'll make sure they're dry and then i like these are all used ones in these bags um my freshies i i'll keep them in like little mini mini bags kind of you know just like or you know that's a batch of fresh eighth ounce ones which Eighth ounce, I don't use a ton. I use a 332nd the most, a 16th sometimes, and uh, an eighth sometimes, like if it's windy or whatever. So this is one that I've, you know, I've used. Um, 
So once you've used them a bit, and I've got a, you know, I've got my plastic little body on there, you can kind of see. And I like, like I say, that little bit of plastic on there, um, it really allows you to cast it a lot farther, and it and it just keeps it kind of a little bit bulkier in the water. Doesn't really show up very good against my black uh, black t-shirt or my black shirt here, but that uh, that jig. Um, that's a used one that, you know, it's missing some, some hair. I, I, when I tie them, I mean, I make them a little bit thicker. The jigs I use, a buddy of mine makes them, um, and sells them here in Kenora. He's got a really good tackle store called Lake of the Woods Sports Headquarters, and it's called a B-Jig. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's it right there. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, some guys like to have it. I don't ever, like, have my, my – my body dangling off the back yeah. a lot of people do i don't think it matters um and then the next question you get a lot is like what do you think the bass think it is and you know uh oh we just lost gussie he disappeared last connection <laughs> hopefully he can reconnect um so yeah gussie was just showing us here it looks like he's coming back in swiped out of the I, uh, some of the hair fell on my keyboard and I swiped it off and it, <laughs> you know, nice. um, but yeah, I was just saying like, um, uh, some of the guys like to have something dangling off the back, but yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't really. True. Yeah. I'm, I'm no expert when it comes to the hair jig. I'm still finding my way. So your, your blacks and your greens, are they almost all straight or do you ever mess with like a string or two of flash or is it just straight? I no, I don't. I, I I do sometimes put flash in them, but I don't usually anymore. What I do, I don't know if you can see that or not, um, but there's a little bit of red tied into that one. Like you can kind of see it down at the bottom. Okay, yeah, okay. That's an eighth ounce one. My my three thirty second. I'll tie. So when I start tying them, my first strand will be that that little bit of red, and then I'll on the three thirty second I put some purple, and on the sixteenth I put a little bit of olive, and that's so I know what size they are. All my jigs are the same. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it, I always used to put a little bit of purple in them. That was just kind of like my trademark thing. And, um, you know, that's just what I did. But when I'm making them, like you can see that one's a lot bushier than the one I was just showing you. That's a fresh one that I, that I haven't used yet. And uh, when, when you tie them, you know, number one rule, I don't want any spines in there. So, like, the lazy way to do it is – to just cut the end of the feather off and tie it on, but then you have a spine in there, and then you, that just makes you'll have like stiffer pieces. Um, <laughs> Johnson's cut his connection, yeah. <laughs> but when I'm tying them, I know when they're done. Like when I know they're done, you, uh, you, I can blow on the back of it like this, and you won't have any like real gaps. It'll be all pretty, pretty even all the way around, and that's sort of what you want. That's when you know they're kind of done. But it takes me you know, 10 or 15 minutes to make one. And if you can get like good quality marabou, that goes a long way. Um, you know, if you just buy like the three ninety nine bag at Cabela's, it's usually kind of junk. You want to so get what, good marabou. What are, what are tips? How, what makes good marabou? How do you know? Just like a like, good, like a good long feather without a lot of like where they're not like the, the pieces aren't stuck together. 
Um, the color's good. You're not just picking through. Like, so when I get a big bag of it, I'll, I'll usually pick through it all first, pick out all the good feathers and pull all the crap off of them. And then when I actually go to tie them, I have a big bag full of good stuff and it makes tying them a lot quicker. Um, but the last couple times I bought it, I've actually just gone online and found it at like some craft stores for, you know, like, like for strippers might buy them to make garlands and make like stuff to wear around their neck and stuff like that. <laughs> buying it from like craft, like actual craft stores. Um, so like Michael's Hobby Lobby, like yeah, whatever, and, like. Buy like big bulk packs of it. And I bought some that was really short and no good, just throw it away. And then it's usually a lot cheaper than buying it from like the fly fly tying place. And uh, I've gotten some that's really good. So it's been like three or four years since I bought any. I've gotten, I've got quite a bit right now and I'll probably need to load up again here soon. But but like um, J Fairs, there's a brand called J Fairs and you, and that's like, if you want to just not mess around and get good stuff, that's, that's good stuff, but it's, it's, you know, it's a little more expensive to buy. Um, Barlow's is a, is a tackle, uh, like, I don't know if that was the brand or if that was like the place that was selling it, but Barlow's has like pretty good marabou as well. Sure. So what more on the strippers talk, what, what were you <laughs> Yeah, um, um, but, yeah. Just you know, I buy, buy. I just get online and like find it in some craft stores, and that's that's how I I've bought it in the past. Cool. Yeah. Um, do you mess around with anything else like deer or any other hair? Do you ever mix stuff or? I, I have. I've tried a lot of stuff when in warm water um, or shallow water. The marabou is like number one, and and I've caught them on all kinds of different colors. Like the green pumpkin or olive colors are good, but black. I mean, pretty much all I ever tie for the most part, unless I, you know, I feel like I've got enough of them to last me a while. I'll tie some other colors up. I have all all kinds of colors, um, but black is tough to beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the deer hair and some of the synthetics work really good for in cold water fishing deeper. Um, you know, like some of the float and fly style um, stuff, and then just like uh, I've got a couple of, like bucktail jigs I made here. Uh, so, I'm going to talk about the rods a little bit too. Yeah, we still need to talk about the hook you use and then your setup. So, yeah. we'll get there. Um, so that's a that's a that's a a hair like a bucktail jig. That's from a deer that I shot, and that's a Northland um, mimic minnow jig. I uh, John used to have all his jigs made in Minnesota, so I had I used to give him like that's a Gamagatsu hook on there. And uh, man, I'm having a hard time like getting in front of the camera here. But that's that's one that I made, and you know I got a little chartreuse in there. I've got a little bit of flashy stuff in there, and uh, that that's a good jig. Like in the fall up here, when the when they get out deep and they're eating cistels and, and kind of like same like how you'd fish a Demiki rig, like you're or uh, you no, like... More like more casting it and, okay. and fish more. It's just like how you see the guys doing it on the Tennessee River. Just it's just a, that's a three eighth ounce head. And you know, a little bit lighter. Cool. So, what what hook are you putting in your custom? I know Kenny uh, asked that. Yeah, that number one. That's a number one black gammy, a six oh four gamagatsu. Six oh four. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> so and then you you, you modified a, your mold to put your own little keeper on there, I assume. Yeah. So these jigs, my buddy 
that from Lake of the Woods Sports, um, Brian Gustafson, no relation actually, but he makes these jigs and uh, has them made and, and sells a bunch of them. And uh, you can kind of see the keeper on there. Yep. So that just keeps the – so if you get one that doesn't have that, you're just constantly like fighting with keeping your, your body all start to fall down, you know, just from casting it, you catch a few fish. I'm going outside quick. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Great back. All right. We, we'll we'll – uh... <laughs> man, hope you guys are getting all this stuff. This is awesome. We are just starting to get into the the, the hair jig. So uh, take this time out to remind you guys to maybe hit that thumbs up, share it out. We're probably going to go at least another half an hour, 45 minutes to keep it normal. Uh, what's up, St. Chris? Uh, saw you. Thanks for everybody for joining in, keeping the chat going. Can't barely keep up. Hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, Kevin's still on to do some modding, but uh, Gus will be back here in a second after his bio break, and then we're going to get into his uh, rod and reel setup, um, and then maybe some tips on like. All right, I see him lurking back. We're going to bring him back in here. All right, you feeling good now? Yeah. No, I needed. I needed that. So the benefit of living in the woods is yeah. you step out the door and um, too, too many labats, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, rods. Um, you want a long, soft rod because obviously it's a pretty small bait and uh, and fairly light. And the number one thing too, I, I mean, I didn't mention, you don't really ever want these jigs to touch the bottom. It's all about floating them through the water column. And, you know, it's 50-50 for me. It's a great sight fishing bait. I mean, if I see fish cruising, and that's how I was catching a lot of my fish at the St. Lawrence this year and at Champlain, um, you'd see them cruising, and you just kind of lead them with that little hair jig and, you know, swim it swim it in front of them, and they just come over and slurp it up. It's, uh, you know, when you see it disappear, you set the hook. And then – you know, in between being, you know, when you see them, I'm casting it and you want to be able to cast it out away from the boat, obviously. Um, so a, a seven, six rod is kind of like the standard now. Um, I'm using an NRX, a G Loomis NRX. It's a 901. Um, so it's a, it's a seven, six. It's a really light, light action rod. Um, but it's still got, you know, lots of power through here. Um, but I'm able to, you know, really whip that thing out there. Um, as far as line goes, my setup, I use eight pound power pro and an eight pound floral leader. Uh, you know, some guys would use six, but I, I just, I don't, I don't ever use six pound test. The eights is the lightest line you're ever going to see in my boat. Um, and, oh, and how long, how much, how long is your leader for hair jigs? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't make like a super long leader. I like to have my leader, between my first guide and the reel, like starting out fresh. So it's, you know, eight or 10 feet, maybe. Right. I hook my, you know, I hook my bait up here. Um, FG knot, learned how to do that a couple years ago. And that was like a life changer. Um, I used to tie for 20 years. I tied a shitty blood knot and I never, I, I, you know, I could probably count on one hand all the times I actually broke fish off with that. Like I never had issues with that necessarily. Like I knew when it would pull together good and, and be fine. Um, but like, I, I, like I can remember being at Smith Lake fishing for spots with it, with, you know, with a Ned rig and having mm -hmm. six of them, like it was the deal. I had like six of them tied up and 
I'd break off, I'd get snagged, break off, and I'd, I'd, I'd break the leader off like 90% of the time instead of my, you know, breaking right. off the knot. And now with the FG knot, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever broken it before. It breaks at the jig all the time. It's it's bulletproof. It's it's a little bit tricky to learn, and and it's also tricky to tie. I mean, if you don't tie it right, it'll come apart. Um, but if you tie it right, it's it's the most bulletproof knot um, ever. Yeah. What's your What's your floral of choice? Uh I don't know. I've been, I I I don't have a sponsor on that. I've been using uh, Gamma's Gamma's good stuff. Um, just the blue and yellow label Seaguar. That's probably the two that I that I go in Visix. Sure. Yeah. It's it's easy to splurge on fluorocarbon when you're only using ten feet at a time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and and I've used Tatsu as well, but I don't. Uh, you know, I don't know. I almost like the the. The Invisex is, is a little bit softer, and it, I, I, it's been good for me. I haven't had any issues with it, so that's. How um, long does it take you to tie an FG knot? Uh, I can tie it pretty quick, um, probably about a minute. But, um, but I've gotten you know I've gotten in a streak where I've done it five times in a row, and and it didn't catch or I didn't do it right. You know, um, the most important thing is is covering the fluorocarbon tag end at the very end, like that last step. If you yeah. your braid goes under that tag end, like you got to go over it. If you go under it, it'll uh, it over, you know, as you start casting and fishing, the thing will actually, um, that'll, that's what will pick the knot apart kind of, you know, so that's the number one thing you got to cover up that tag end. And then when you're, when you're, doing the twisting at the start, you got to have some, like I make, I get my drag loosened way off and then I actually put the loop onto my reel handle hmm. and, uh, and you know, you just want to have a really loose drag and have some give in that you know, when you're doing your twist. If it's too tight, then it doesn't pull together properly either. Pete wants to know, can you tie it after a few whiskeys or not? Uh, yeah. But probably better than yeah. Uh, you're just relaxed and loosey goosey and just not. Whistle Pete, what's up? <laughs> nice. All all the all the there's a lot of northern and smally guys in here. I've seen Cody Holland. I've yeah, seen Noack. I've seen yeah. Pete. Yeah, there's a lot of guys sneaking on here. So you're you're probably gonna get some some grief for this. Like Cody was giving me shit for talking about the hair jigs too, but. Um... Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I, I'm, uh, you know, it, it, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty grateful that I get to do what I do, and um, you know, if I can help people catch fish, then that's that's part of my job. And yeah, I always say this channel, this stream, all my videos are all about help, helping people catch more bass and suck less. So I'm, yeah. I'm like all about sharing. So yeah, no, I don't. Um, yeah. If any, you know, people can, I get, I get all the time at people asking questions about, um, you know, any fishing related things and I'll, I'll give you my, my two cents for sure. So, like when you tie the knot, are you like the using your tongue? Are you the guy that uses your feet? Like what, what are, what are your like top uh, tips or like what's your method for the fg i use my i use my mouth a lot for tying all kinds of knots but uh with the with an fg knot i get the loop on my reel handle and uh and then i sort of tie it like in this area right here um fighter when he he's really good at it like he's probably the best i've seen at it. he's very meticulous knot guy um he actually puts the line in his mouth mm -hmm. and uh, and kind of works from there. That's how he does it. But uh, yeah, just 
there's there's several good videos out there. I mean, you just you know you got to right. sit down on on Sunday while you're watching football and just tie it up a bunch of times, and then it's it's good. But but I just like I fought it for a long time, and then before the St. Lawrence tournament last year, I Chris Johnston and I were were staying together on the Canadian side. Um, up the river and practice we had a, got a room together Corey was down fishing it down by the lake and uh uh he showed me how to do it and then i was i was kind of good to go after that just you know just put the you know hour of learning it in and um and it, it, it life changer like that's the, the best way i could describe it yeah i, I have not accomplished that yet I, i'm kind of been sticking with like the rp not like the justin lucas route so um but yeah it's definitely uh, it has its place and i'm not questioning its strength it's just i question whether the effort is worth it uh i, I don't have issues with the knots i have so you know it, it, the important thing is find something that works for you <laughs> and yeah. go with it and that's like anything in fishing if um, I was, like if it was something where i was constantly having to do it out in the boat i would yeah. it, you know then yeah, I would probably do something different, but it, it just like, if you do it right, it never, it's never really failed me. So I, you know, I don't really have to, uh, you know. Sure. Yeah. Um, so what, like, let's, let's circle back. We talked about the setup. Like what is the depth range? Like how deep do you typically target fish with your hair jig? Uh, I think, and, and use it, is it typically a really steady retrieve? Yeah. So, um, it's a, it's, it's a generally a shallow water thing, you know, 12 feet or less. Um, and, uh, yeah, whip it out there. It's all about the feel. Like you gotta, if you've never done it, used it before, you gotta go somewhere good that where you're going to catch some fish with it. If you just go and try and do it and, and it's not the right scenario, then it's, you know, you're probably not going to have a lot of luck with it. Cause it doesn't feel, doesn't feel right when they're not biting. It feels like you're just like. Yeah, because there's you don't like. What do I do with my hands? What am I doing? This feels dumb. Like, <laughs> but it's all about. Like, I mean, you whip it out there. You know, give it a few seconds. It's gonna start sinking, and then it's just a slow kind of slow retrieve like this. And a lot of times, you know, you'll see them tracking it or getting behind it, and then sometimes you just sort of speed it up a bit or stop it. Um, you know, there's just you just get a feel for what triggering. You know, what you got to do to trigger them to bite. Um, but it's generally shallow. If you're fishing a little bit deeper and you you know you're not seeing the fish, um, like Sturgeon Bay for in Wisconsin, like for years, a guys from like up where I live were going down there and like mm -hmm. doing really well in this big open tournament. Um, and and uh, you know these local guys there had no idea like what they knew that like we were using something different, but like no one really talked about it. And for quite a few years, it was, it was a pretty good secret and you could go in these, it, you know, it's, you fish around in the crowds there. If you, you know, right. You've ever fished there. It's uh, it can be kind of painful, but it's, it's a, it's an amazing place. But these, the, what would happen there was the, there would be areas where the bottom would get really slimy. So you couldn't really drag a tube. Like if there was areas where the bottom was clean, like it was just sand and a little bit of rock, like a tube would destroy everything. But if the bottom was slimy and you couldn't drag a tube or anything, um, that's when the hair jig really shined there. And and a lot of times there, you know, you'd cast it and just do the slower tree, but we would actually like almost troll them. Like you'd whip it out and just do a drift and, and you know, get going to like one 1.2 mile an hour and that would be fast enough to where your jig wasn't hitting the bottom and you're still moving 
And uh, that was that was how we, we, you know, strolling, I guess you could call it. That's how we we do it. it wasn't, you know, like necessarily a full troll, but you'd, you'd cast the bait out, you know, perpendicular to the boat. And then when it got, you know, ended up being way behind you, you just reel it in and cast it out again. But that was that was a uh, a way to cover some water. And, and we caught a lot of fish doing that with it there. Yeah. So if you could say like a person like, so I've dabbled with it. I've caught some fish, but I've never really ran into it when it's like been lights out where it's been the deal. I've always, you know, caught them on a meta scrub bed or I've caught them on a tube or a drop shot. Um, what would you say, like, if you're really looking to collide with them, what is your ideal conditions, like season, water temp, pre-spawn, post-spawn? Up north, smallmouth fishing in, you know, late June, July. Um, and we're going to have these conditions when we fish at the St. Lawrence and at Champlain this year. Uh, when you when you can see, you know, you got to have the sun. It's got to be a nice day. And and anytime you have that, there's going to be big smallmouths cruising around up in shallow water. And, uh, you know, pretty much everywhere I've ever fished, that happens. Maybe not necessarily at St. Clair. I, I haven't experienced it there as much, but... Um, but when, when for me, the ideal scenario when I know I can catch them on is, is, a, is a beautiful, you know, summer day and there's, there's big ones just cruising around, milling around up shallow. And those can be hard to catch, you know, the, the cruisers. Um, and it's just, a, you know, it's kind of a, a, you know, getting back to like people asking, well, what do you think the bass think it is? And I just sort of you know, think, I just say it's like an after dinner mint, you know, it's not like a top water, a jerk bait or a spinner bait might be like a steak. The, the, the hair jig, just a little mint. And I mean, if you, if you put that thing right in his face and you know, he doesn't know the bass doesn't know you're there and you're, you know, you're fairly sneaky about it They're They just come up to it. And, and yeah. as for, it's a small little hook on there. But that is like one of the best like hooking baits um, that there is. I mean, and, and, and part of it gets back to using the right rod. You know, you can't have a, you know, you don't want to use a big heavy rod, obviously. Um, but you have a long, soft rod. And, uh, you know, if you're, you know, like up around, up, up here at Lake of the Woods where I live, we get a lot of cabbage, like that tobacco leaf cabbage in the summer. And when it's nice and hot, they'll, they'll cool up in that cabbage. and, it, and mm -hmm. it, uh, it shines around that stuff and sometimes you know they can you got to muscle them a little bit more around some of that but if you're out in open water it's it's a great bait to hook them on because they're just biting hook. i mean there's nothing to you know mess up mess up hooking them yeah so is there is there a water temp where it gets too cold or a, like when do, when does this hair jig get put away uh for me, probably like that mid to late summer, once once they've, they're starting to kind of push out a little bit more up north. Sure. Anyway. Um, but no, I mean, in the, in the spring, as soon as you start, you know, it's just anytime they're relatively shallow, like it's a good bait. Like it's going to, it'll, it'll work. Right. So when you say shallow, like less than 10, less than yeah. six, like what yeah. is? Less than 10 feet. Cool. Yeah. Some of the great, like at Sturgeon Bay, if you go up north, you, you know, some of those bays up north there, you get a little bit fishing in like 12 or 14, but it's gin super clear. And that's right. going to use the eighth ounce one a little bit more. And, and uh, it, you know, it's, it's works great up there too. Cool. So, all right. I think, I think we covered the hair jig in pretty good depth there. Um, 
So a couple more questions from the Instagram I threw out there. Um, so would you say in Canada, is it more finesse or power fishing up there? Uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit of both. Like um, if, if someone was just coming here, um, not knowing like where a lot of the like juicy spots were, you can power fish all day long and, uh, and do real well. Um, we're lucky. Like the fishing where I live is, is amazing. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of 50, 50. Like if, if I go out in a tournament day here, I'm always going to have a top water bait tied on catches a lot of big ones. I'm always going to have a, a chatter bait or a spinner bait tied on. And then I'm going to have a, you know, a flipping bait or some large mouth, uh, the hair jig always tied on and, you know, a net rig and you know, maybe, maybe a couple other, a little swim bait. So what do you call out? When do, when are tiny tubes better than traditional tubes? Uh, always. Always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm a big tube fan too. Um, Northland has had a really, really, really good tube the last few years. Those are, yeah, those get bit tubes are good. Um, Northland's had a good tube, and they they discontinued it. They just did, you know, they weren't selling that great. Yeah, I think tube. I bought some of those. They had some small ones too, right? They were in the uh, what was that like two point seven five? The plastic line they had a different. It wasn't called Northland. It was Impulse. Yeah, Impulse. Yeah, I bought some of those. I got some good small MLX on those Impulse tubes. Uh, I don't have one out. I, I, you know, but it's just a regular, like a really lot of salt in it. The green pumpkin color was really good. Um, you know, but and some of that extra impulse scent in it. Yeah. Whatever that was. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was a good one. Um, the, the Yamamoto made a really good one. Um, for a long time, that one you just held up look kind of looked like one of the old Yamamoto ones. They've been discontinued for probably almost ten years now, but mm-hmm. I I had a lot of them, and um, I pretty much don't have any of the good ones left anymore. But, Do you make your own tube jig heads, or yeah, yeah, figured. Yeah. And then just uh, because a three sixteenth is the size I use the most uh, quarters, and then some heavier ones too. I don't use a lot of like really like I don't use an eighth ounce head very mm-hmm. often. I mean, I want it to go get on the bottom and, and, you know, start bumping it. Uh, but yeah, just cause I want, you know, I want some little one-aught hooks for the little tubes and then, you know, different, just different size hooks and, right. uh, and, uh, for some of the different baits. All right. So if you can only throw one lure presentation for smallies year round, what is it? Uh, if I had to only use one bait year round, it'd be that a green pumpkin hula stick. Yeah, just fishing on exposed head, Ned yeah. type style. Yeah, and that's not like that's not a because uh, they're my sponsor or anything. Like my wife never fished uh, before we met, and uh, the last few years, like we we fish a couple tournaments together, and. She uses that off the back of the boat. Sometimes she casts it. Sometimes she just drops it down under the boat and like just catches fish all the time with it. And, uh, and yeah, and I, I mean, I, yeah, it's always tied on anywhere I'm smallmouth fishing. It's legit, uh, good bait. So, uh, medium crankbait or soft body swim, swim bait? <clears throat> Probably the little swimmer for me. Sure. But, I, but like cranking's, cranking is just, uh 
you know, it's it's not the strongest part of my uh, arsenal. That's something that like that's one of my like one thing that I'm gonna work on more this year. Twenty twenty one resolution is cranking for Gussie. Do more cranking, yeah. Nice. But, I mean, yeah, but the little, I mean, uh, little swimmers are good. That's um, you know, if, if Pete's still on here, I mean, he'd agree. But like Seth, that's one of his. That's the one thing that he's like super good at and, and does a lot. He's really good on the small swim bait. Has a lot of confidence in it, and uh, you know, cool. Um, we talked about chatterbaits earlier. What do do you use chatterbaits for smallies much? And do you do anything different? Yeah. Yeah, no, and up up here, so it's for me it started out as is in some of these areas where I'm like fishing for large mouths and small mouths. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it it that's where I really liked it because you you know you, you catch both with it, and then I've just I've gotten a lot more confidence in it for small mouths. And I mean, when we went to the St. Lawrence River this year, there was a lot of guys catching catching bags on a chatterbait. Um, yeah, you know, like Brock was catching up. He he almost you know he finished second or third uh third i think um and he was catching some big largemouths with it too but i know like i think that just evolved as the event was going on but i think he was catching smallmouths with it and then just mm-hmm. sort of, you know pushed back a little bit more got around more grass and was and you know ended up catching all these big largemouths as well um but no it's it, it'll it'll catch smallmouths it's you know Places where you would throw a spinnerbait, it's it's you know you can catch them on a chatterbait, and it just it's better because in in some situations because it gets down a little bit more, you know if the grass isn't too thick, it's just those areas where there's grass and rock kind of mixed together, um, and if you got a little bit of wind, it, that's when it shines. If it's flat calm, like I'm gonna throw a topwater in those places all the time, you know for sure. Yeah. But if you get wind, then then uh, the chatterbait's my my next sort of thing yeah about the only thing i would do is well two things i tend to throw more whites and brighter colors for smallies and then sometimes i will downsize that trailer a little bit just to let them eat it a little better um yeah, I mean, yeah they got a small mouth but i mean they're in a in a tournament situation i mean the the fish that we want to catch uh right. you know they have no problem eating a forage bait or for sure. you know, but, you probably know. more in my head than anything <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, there's lots of times where like just the micro cut down downsize stuff just it just more often than not is going to work better for smallies. And sometimes I think it just matches the bait they're chasing for smallies more often, right? Yeah. I think that's part of it. Yeah, and it's going to look more like a smelt or an alewife than a than a than a big perch or a bluegill that you'd be doing with a green pumpkin typically. So yeah, right, right. Um, Awesome. Oh man, those questions are going in. Yeah, what so that's we talked about topwater. What's what's your favorite topwater for smallies? What's uh um I'm a popar guy mostly mo- like more often than not. I, I walking bait would be number two, but um I'm gonna show you I got one I saw cut off a rod. Um you know, <laughs> not a sponsor. Number one pop R, the the Magnum pop R. Um, is that the P seventy or no? But it's just like the, the Magnum fifty five. A little yeah. bit, yeah. It's a little bit smaller, but like I I you know I tie all my own tails on the end of them, and uh, that one's beat up. Um, it's got some upgraded trebles on it, some gownies. Yeah, the two <laughs> X trebles, and you know I don't I don't like to use a noodle rod. 
Um, I use the I use that eight ninety three that I throw the chatter baits and spinner baits on um, a lot of the time for throwing these top waters too. Because up here, I mean, we got a lot. We're fishing them around reeds, around cabbage, like some sort of heavy grass. So you gotta sometimes you do gotta muscle them a little bit. So yeah, I just sort of beef up the hooks a little bit, and uh, you know that's a that's a that's a good bait. It's it's heavy, so it's easy to cast. Like you can cast it far, but you can also like drop it into holes really, really. Yeah. Pretty are, you, are you a mono or a braid guy for poppers? Uh, I I braid. I put about an eighteen inch twenty pound mono leader on, and the main reason why is uh, if you tie the braid direct to the to these baits, you it's so it's so soft that you just you're gonna end up hooking your line. Yeah, often when you're casting, so having that stiff mono leader um, just sort of prevents you from ever having issues with hooking your line when you're casting. I'm 100 percent same. A little bit of give in it too. Yeah, and I and and just in the rare case that they might be line shy, it gives you just a little bit of cushion yeah. right next to the bait. Yeah. So yeah, but. Yeah, for me, braid all the way. I just I think you have to adjust your mechanics a little bit, but the casting distance you get and the ability to hook them on a long cast is there. And then for me, if you got a fish that short strikes it and you're not sure, you all you need to do is lean into them, right? And they yeah. either got it or they don't. And if yeah. they don't have it, you're only pulling it a little bit and they'll come back and get it or another one will get it. But with mono on a long cast, you gotta like drill if you miss them, the bait's out of the strike zone, right? So yeah. So, no, and that's where I use a little bit stiffer rod than than most people would for throwing a top water, but uh, I just you know I'm I'm aware of that and do yep. it all the time. So I you know that's just what I like to do, and and uh, you know if they eat it good, then I have no issues. They're coming, they're getting boat flipped. So on that, you tie an FG for that one as well. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, have you played around with the stealth chatterbait at all? Uh, a little bit, not a ton. Um, just cause they, they're new. I got one here. So I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm sure most of the people are, have seen them, but it's a more finessey version of the jackhammer. Um, it's got, I'm going to rip this one out so you can kind of see it. Um, it's easier for you to put in your Plano box now cause you already got it out now. Yeah, there we go. So we got a clear blade on there, a little bit smaller blade. So yeah, it's just like a more finessey version of of a jackhammer, pretty much. You know, um, a little bit lighter hook, I think, right? A little bit, yeah. It's yeah. got good. It's not like too light, not flimsy, but it's a little. I mean, it's still a good hook, but it's just a little down gauge from it's the. It's a little bit lighter, yeah. I know, uh, and and you know, some guys, yeah, like I've, I know I've heard people compliment the hook on it, but. Uh, but yeah, I, I did catch a few smallmouths on it this summer fishing around home here, but never, um, you know, by the time I got a couple to play around with, I just never got on like that deal. And maybe, maybe uh, some of those fall tournaments like at Gunnersville and at Chickamauga, that maybe this would have been like a better, uh, a better yeah. option. But. Yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't tried them yet. And I struggle because it doesn't actually make contact with the head like a jackhammer. Um, like, is that a big a difference from a swim jig? Do I really need a stealth chatterblade or would I just go straight to a swim jig at that point? So that's just something time yeah. will tell whether it yeah. really has a big place or not. So yeah. no, it definitely uh it definitely doesn't, you know, pull as hard, but you can still feel it. It's got it's gonna vibrate mm -hmm. a little bit. But yeah, I think you know, some of the clear water 
situations or really pressured fish, it might be uh, it might be good. Mm, 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 mm. All right, awesome. What else did I want to cover? Let's see here. Do, do, do. Talk about that. About that. I'm still mad that you never stopped in Minnesota and fish. That's that's rude, Jesse. Um, <laughs> I have. Hey, I have before. Pelican Lake. You have been to that one? Not Pelican. No. By Orr, that one or that uh, place. That's one of the best bass lakes I've ever fished, and it's like walleye land there. So no one. I think it's starting to get fished a little bit more now, but uh, but yeah, it's really good, full of largemouths and, and smallmouths too. But um, yeah, big, some big ones. Cool. Yeah. You must be excited to get. I mean, get rolling here, right? Like this is you're a couple weeks from heading down. You can get down to Florida. Get get, I, get the rust shaken I, off. I like to go down, you know, a week or ten days before we get serious, just to you know get out of winter i'm usually ready and then just to you know got a new boat to break in there's always a few things to to work out uh just get back into the in the mode again and uh for sure and it's you know it's it i love fishing in florida it's fun i've i've had some (laughs) some rough tournaments down there i've had some good tournaments down there and it's it uh all those lakes have a lot of bass in them, but if you, you know, the, it doesn't take much of a cold front and uh, it can get, it can get kind of miserable. And then if you find that little hundred yard area that where the fish are at, it can be so good and so easy. And uh, you know, and, and you, you know, like you could you catch a giant any day down there. So yeah, it's fun. I love it. Yeah. Cool. And obviously you had a good, I mean, a solid year last year, 30th, right? So you weren't like, freaking out about making the classic you i mean you weren't i mean obviously it wasn't a top 10 aoi but you were you were well within the classic cut and yeah um, it wasn't last year um you know i i i made two or three top 10s in the the couple years prior to that um last year i i I only i had one top 10 um you know it it was a little more of a grindy year but i and but you know i i I, you know i pretty steady i had two bad tournaments um, but the rest were all pretty solid. So, yeah, I mean, it's part of it for me is is having some level of consistency, and that's going to just allow me to to keep doing it. You know, that's. Yeah. That. I think the important thing is right. Like, obviously, the Southern Fall Swing was brand new for you, right? I mean, like you were that was trial by fire, and the fact that you survived it, right, yeah. and you still made the classic, I think that says something about the growth as an angler, right? Because yeah. Um, no, in my early years, yeah, that would have been a disaster. And I was right. scared. Like, I was pretty scared going into those ones. Um, we knew, we all knew the fishing was going to be pretty tough. Uh, and, you know, it's, it, but yeah, I ended up, I ended up, uh, you know, just finding some stretches that were decent and, uh, and caught fish, you know, a variety of different ways and just sort of survived. That was, those were all about surviving and, and that's that's how I fish a lot of the time, and then just trying to uh, try to acknowledge when you when you find something special, and hopefully mm-hmm. you can take advantage of it when you get those opportunities. Yeah. You know, usually you know a couple times a year you hope you get that, and uh, you know it'd be nice if it happened at the classic this year. I I will say um, I'll be the one to to get lucky at, but uh, but no, it's I I have a lot of fun, and I'm I'm. You know, I'm, I feel pretty lucky every day getting getting to do what I'm what I'm doing. I'm, I, I'm a regular regular guy that uh, loves to fish, and um, you know, combination of of uh, you know not giving up, 
um, find me, you know, having the right people come into my life that were able to kind of help me and get me going. Um, for sure. You know, Don Nelson, who you, I yep. mean, you know, like I would never, uh, he owned KrugerFarms.com, a retail website. I guided him a couple of times and he had the means to kind of help me out. And that's how I got started fishing the FLW tour. Or I probably never would have never would have done that. And who knows what I'd be doing now, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's, it's awesome. I, I remember uh, right after Fork, you did uh, the Serious Angler Bailey's podcast and he was talking about going to Chickamauga and you're like, well, let me tell you, there's, there's no doubt. It's going to suck. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, hopefully it'll be pretty good. And I'm like, ah, I need to like go well, let me tell you, son. <laughs> yeah. And Chickamauga is a great place. Like I've had some awesome days there. It's a cool lake. It's got a lot of, you know, like it's, it's got tons of big fish in it, but in the fall, it's a tough place to fish. Yeah. Um, I guess just, you know, kind of speaking of that, like obviously you've had uh, quite a bit of success. You've had some breakout tournaments in Florida. You had some really good tournaments and at Ufala back in the day, fishing topwaters. Um, yeah. what, what do you think the biggest challenge, you know, being a, a Minnesota Canadian guy and, and fishing nationally across the U.S. and going south? What's what's the biggest challenge, you think? Um, the, the, the first thing is – like we don't have shad really up north. Right. Like I don't know if you guys do around the cities, but We're like Mississippi. Uh, but other than that, that's it. Yeah, like we don't really have shad. So like all those southern reservoir shad are the deal. So just sort of like you know learning how the, how they kind of factor into everything a little bit. That was different. Um, you know, most of the lakes in the southeast where, the, where most of the big tournaments are, are reservoirs. And, you know, current's a factor. You're, you're basically fishing a river system um, a lot of times. And, uh, you know, so just that was a little different. Uh, but but that being said, I think living where I do um, and all the, you know, I do a lot of walleye fishing. I do a lot of ice fishing and, and just, you know, all the, all the different types of fishing I do. I know how to use my electronics. That served me well. I mean. I don't feel like I probably have as much advantage as I did five or six years ago, like fishing offshore and using my electronics. Like I feel like I was a, li- a little bit ahead of guys, you know, 2015, 16. And now, I mean, everyone kind of knows how to do that and can do it a little bit right. better. I think. But, uh, but yeah, like just hours of like sitting there looking at a flash or ice fishing. I mean, I just, I, I love to watch my bait when I'm in the boat, like underneath, you know, get on top of fish. And I do, you know, if I can do that, I love doing that. Yeah, for sure. So, <clears> speaking of, speaking of sonar, forward. are you, uh, how long before you're going to have the live bird front facing? When's that going to be ready for you? Uh, I got some good news today that, uh, um, I, we're going to have it probably for our second event. So we're probably nice. not going to have it in Florida, but the plan is, um, I think I'm, they're gonna they're gonna have it for for us, um, you know, that week after and get it rigged up. So it's coming. Nice. Um, so yeah, pretty excited about it. Um, I got uh, I got to witness a couple. I got a couple beatings from guys at particularly at St. Clair this year um, mm-hmm. that had it, and uh, you know, obviously, yeah, it's it's not going to be the deal everywhere, but on certain bodies of water at certain times. Um, you know, yeah, big deal. I yeah, was thinking a little bit of Lake Fork, and like I, I was clueless. Like I had no idea 
what was you know i think i just caught a couple lucky ones in practice where my jig dropped dropped by one around one of those trees and you know um but yeah like what he did there that was pretty incredible yeah sure. so hopefully, i mean if st john sets up the way everybody hopes it is it, it shouldn't matter there right yeah. uh, so. i mean it could there but yeah that's not the end of the world i can live with that yeah, I mean, you're probably not going to get dominated by it there. Like, could it help you put a few fish in the boat? Maybe, but it's probably not going to be, uh, you know, yeah, the the deal. Um, but yeah, that's cool. I'm excited to see that because I'm a hummingbird guy. I've got some helixes. I just got a new DI Gen Four for the front of my boat that should yeah. be should be compatible with anything that comes out, and who knows how hard it'll get for the general masses. But uh, at least I'll have the the infrastructure in place to, and so I'm excited to see because it. It, I mean, just looking at the Lowrance, their second generation, you know, obviously looks like it's the deal, you know, and yep. I would think that what Hummingbird is going to come out with is going to be on on par. You know, I think they're all going to be very competitive. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, yeah, they've, they've been working on it for a while and uh, just, yeah, everything I've been told is that it's going to be going to be killer. So, yeah, I'm excited and, um, you know, I think it'll I think it'll be be a good, good addition. Um you know, it's one of those things where like, yeah, yeah, you know, you hate that you don't want tournament fishing and bass fishing to get to the point where you have to have that stuff where you feel like you can't do it right. or competitive. Like that's that part of it. I, I, uh, you know, I kind of am a little bit, you know, I, 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 I guess I'm kind of old school. Like I, I just, right. I, like I, want everyone to have the chance to to do good and succeed and uh if that makes sense you know i don't know yeah i mean it, it, i mean it's it's still situational i mean i made it all the way to the bass nation national championship with an uh 999 on the front of my boat or 959 on the front of my boat so <laughs> yeah no, um, yeah and that's in and like i mean john cox has had some of the best quotes in the last year and last few years you know just if you you know if you want it bad enough and you you live for doing this stuff then uh you know you can you can put the time in and i get asked one of the questions that i probably get asked the most is how do you how do you get to be a pro angler or you know make a living fishing and whether you want to be a guide or a tournament fisherman is number one thing in my opinion is just time on the water like you got to fish and the sponsor stuff you know, important for, for most of us. Um, and then with that, the, the, whether it's YouTube or social media, whatever, whatever it is like that, that component of it is all part of the deal now, but like, um, be, you know, putting in the time and fishing, um, is, is a big deal. And like, you know, I don't, I'm not, a, am not, I, I don't really watch a lot of YouTube stuff. And I, that's probably the one thing in the fishing industry that I like I'm not a fan of necessarily is like there's there's people that are like YouTube stars and celebrities and and are making you know doing well in the fishing industry that maybe haven't like suffered hardship and like um, gone put in their time just just you know fishing because they love to fish you know yeah uh, and, and I 100% agree like just going out and spending five thousand electronics is not gonna make you gussie it's not going to make you kevin van damme it's not going to make you patrick walters like 
there's a lot of time on the water that comes to, wow. you know, it may take you from yeah. being a 95 percenter to a 98 percenter or something like that, but it's not going to make you a wizard on the water. That's for sure. Um, so are you going to run, you're going to have the 360 and the live on your boat? Yeah. Are you going to, so how do you foresee that rolling out? I mean, obviously you haven't used it yet, but are you going to have two I'm units, three one, units up front? Like what is that going to look like for you? I'm going to have a unit flush mounted that uh, is going to be my sonar DI GPS, you know, always rolling. 2D uh, and mapping flush mount. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yep. And then on my, uh, I'm going to have a second unit that, you know, this year was dedicated to 360. And I guess, you know, I'll just, hopefully you can kind of switch back and forth quick and easy. Sure. Um, I'm assuming that we'll be able to, I guess we haven't got that far yet, but, uh, but yeah, that's, and you know, the 360 thing, um, was was a big deal for me this this past year. I'm gonna plug my mm-hmm. phone. Get, get yeah, um, while he's doing that, John. We we covered his aluminum rig and that. That so just watch the replay or rewind back to the beginning, and we we kind of cover his uh, his lun setup. So um, just hit the rewind and watch that replay. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, I'm running uh, four Helix machines. Uh, I'm a you know, I'm a big fan of those um, you, just because I've used them forever and they're they're just, you know, bulletproof, reliable for me. For sure. Um, so that's that's my my program. Nice. Um, what was I going to say? I had thought, but yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> um, but that's cool. Yeah, I think we're, we're pretty close to wrapping up here. We went two hours. It probably doesn't feel like it. But, no, uh, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that your phone died. Um, but, and also some of this stuff, uh, you know, there's a, I think Gussie has a video where he ties a hair jig. I think he's got a walkthrough video of his boat. So there's some really good stuff that like we covered the surface on several things in this. Uh, and so if you want any of those in depth, you can check out uh, Gussie's YouTube channel. He's going to probably have to brush that up and get some of this uh, hummingbird live content out there. So that yeah, should be coming. I, I, I've been trying a little bit. I've, I've put some videos out, and uh, but not, yeah, that's something I'm going to, you know, do a little bit more of here moving forward. Everyone, you know, that's a big component of uh, all the sponsors. People like to see that stuff, and uh, and yeah, that's that's it. But I did last summer. I I did a, a video. You know, it's probably seven or eight minutes long, um, going through tying up a one of my jigs. So yeah, it's it's all there. Um, and then yeah, Wired to Fish did a really good video um, walkthrough video of my boat last. You know, this time mm-hmm. last year and. Uh, yeah, I'm you know very similar rig. Um, you know, going to be set up very similar this year. Yeah, you have to refresh it once you get all the new, 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 new. Uh, yeah, I know. I've been going on. You know, yeah, for sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna be showing that off, and uh, yeah, be look for that in about a month or so. Yeah, and for the people that rolled in late or you're new to the channel, uh, all these streams end up going on an audio version. So there's a podcast version, so you can search Hellabass Bass Fishing in your favorite podcast app, whatever that is, iTunes, Spotify, et cetera, you can find this. So if it's easier to listen to this two hours while you're walking the dog or working out or driving to work, uh, that's all going to be available. So if, if Gussie needs something for his, his long, long drives down to Florida, he can, he can re-listen oh, yeah. to it. Yeah. I'll be loading them up. I, I get, uh, every couple month or two, I'll, I'll get the fresh ones and, and, uh, 
and load them up on here. That's why I asked you when you were setting this up if you do it live. But I, I, I did kind of know that, but I always right. just, you know download them and listen to them when I'm working on tackle or we we prefish by ourselves. So um, I listen to a lot of podcasts when I'm you know right. just prefishing and have have them on. So that's awesome. Yeah. So we'll wrap this up here shortly. Um, if you guys are new to the channel, if you just check this out for the first time on Facebook, uh, I do, you know, simulcast this on uh, Facebook, but it's also available on YouTube. The replays will be there. We covered a bunch of good nuggets. So if you came in late, you're definitely going to want to go back and check that out. Uh, tons of good stuff. Uh, I appreciate the time, Gussie. Anything else you want to cover or shout outs or final no, thoughts? Thanks for having me. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, no, keep up the good work and yeah, we've got a fan here and I'm, uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be keeping in touch with you. It sounds good. Well, hopefully you pop one this year. Maybe we can, uh, have a special episode dedicated to your, your first blue trophy. Have a Minnesota angling day, maybe on the way home or something. Yeah. Sounds good. Cool. Well, keep in touch. Uh, as always, everybody, thanks for tuning in, uh, here to help you guys catch more bass and suck less. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less.